Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Inside Groove. My name is Tom Baker. We are, I think, episode 31 now, and we packed so much information into this show. We have got so much to bring you today and so much to talk about. My goodness, we are planning to absolutely overwhelm you with this particular podcast. It is going to be incredible. Uh, We have got Lots of news to cover. Camden Proud going to be joining us in just a moment here uh, to to talk about some driver news and team news. And um, wow, we've just got a lot to get through there. Mike Bruce is on the show. Uh, Mike has put together what I think is a landmark uh, for the SBS division, a doubleheader show uh, up in the North Country for later on in the year so mike is going to join us to talk about that and folks uh i had to laugh every once in a while i enjoy just throwing a little teaser out there just to see who catches on well on facebook yesterday or the other day i guess it was a couple days ago now i threw out a teaser and (laughs) I waited to see who would solve the puzzle in that teaser. Y'all need to go back and take a look at the teaser that I threw out there and read it to yourselves and pay attention to the characters I used because I literally told you who our featured guest was going to be on this show, and I don't think I saw a one of you that got it. Oh, my goodness. Double O Joe Gozik is our featured interview on this show. And boy, did we get more than we bargained for. This, in my own life, in my own opinion of kind of my career in this sport, and it isn't because of me, it's in spite of me probably, but this interview is absolutely one of the most electrifying interviews that i have ever been a part of in all my years covering racing joe took us on a very deep dive into his experience back in 1996 at indy through the month of may details that i never knew about i suspect a lot of people didn't know about and honestly, right from the start of the interview where I where he explained how he got started in racing and who first was kind of in his life going into that period, um, it, it really his career has been so uh, amazing. And it started with a real interesting bit of irony that proves that you never know where a relationship's going to take you. So th- this is just going to be, I believe, in, in, in the group of the first 30, 31 episodes, this is going to be as big as any of them 
Uh, I just can't wait for you to hear it. But right now, I want to bring out Camden Proud, who, of course, is uh, the co-host of this show and also uh, the 2019 Supermodified Rookie of the Year and uh, Oswego Speedway's PR guy. And I suspect that Camden's going to wear a few different hats over the course of the season once again, um, maybe even toward the end uh, with the aforementioned SBS doubleheader up north that... Uh, <laughs> That uh, we we're gonna hear from Mike Bruce about a little later on in the program, and I guess Camden, that's as good a place to start as any. Um, since our last show, we've had a couple of really nice pieces of news, and um, this this is a really interesting thing for me because, as you well know, uh, you know, I was a small part of of the founding of the whole kind of Norad deal. Go out of town, take the SBS back then. It was limiteds, whatever you want to call them. Um, and, and let's have some fun at some other racetracks and to see what you and, and Mike, um, have put together over the last few years has been great in bringing sort of that concept back. But I think this takes it to a very interesting level for a couple of reasons. One, it's great to see Adirondack back in play again. Um, but two, this is a nice idea. Go up north, race one race, spend the night in a hotel, have some fun, get up the next day and do it again. I mean, you know, this is uh, this is really cool for me to see this. And um, I wonder if perhaps we might see the return of uh, Tim Proud in the uh, Proud SBS 54. Yes? No. <laughs> yes, Maybe? you will. Yes. There. See, we got that out right off the top. <laughs> for sure i could you know we couldn't pass it up i've been working hard at getting a crate motor and just want to give all credit to to mike bruce on this obviously you know it's my honor to help out and and do some press releases and help promote these shows but he's really stuck his neck out a couple of years ago now i said hey you know do do something let's let's try and see if we can get a couple shows and he was kind of eh, i don't know the the first couple times we did it we didn't get very good support and i said well i'll get some facebook pages up and a website and we'll try to take this deal seriously. And the first time we did it, we ended up getting 23 cars. Yeah. It's, it's taken off from there. So to land a, a double header up North, I think is huge for the division. It's pretty amazing stuff actually. And and I hope that the guys really support it uh, because I think this is what we need. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, incoming three fifties and, and now you've got three classes and, you know, how are the car counts going to be? And last year, you know, the SPS obviously was down a little bit. Then it got a little better toward the end. Classic was pretty good and a lot of optimism. And, and of course, Mike shared, he thinks, uh, you know, there's a number of new rookies coming in. And he kind of went through the list as he, <laughs> excuse me, as he remembered it. Um, we'll get to his interview a little bit later. But um, it, it seems like the class is starting to grow again. And I think if we could do this kind of a thing on a yearly basis and get four or five shows at, you know, at a couple of these other tracks, maybe start at some point, put together a little bonus program between Oswego and those other tracks. So just do, you know, something, um, shoot. I think it's a good deal. And the more you can race a car, the more it becomes enticing to buy it. I agree. I think it's going to be a really good season for the small blocks, kind of like a revival year of sorts, but I, I wouldn't even really call it a revival. It's just, like Mike mentioned, all those new people coming yeah. in, and that's what we need. That's what this crate program was designed to do. And I think these extra races, we're going to have the first SBS race of the year at Evans Mills on May 9th. 
possibly another Harbor Fest weekend, and then these two postseason races. And we'll also have an extra day on May 30th at Oswego alongside the ISMA show. That's so right, yeah. There's, there's a lot of races uh, to be had for the SBS class this year. It's been since 2007 that they've seen Adirondack, so that's that's a, a big deal. And really excited that Adirondack management would welcome us and make this doubleheader weekend a possibility. Yeah, it uh, should be a lot of fun. I hope that, uh, and I know Mike wants to eventually try to do some things with the 350 class as well. It's a little tougher right now because, you know, obviously not um, a full field yet. uh, And um, also wanting to work with Star. So um, you got to kind of consider here again, it's like we talked about on the last show. um, You know, you want everybody who's interested in that group of cars to be able to have as many of them as possible when they have a race on the schedule for them. And, um, it, it can be tough to do sometimes. So, uh, but I think, I think it's great. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing how it turns out. Um, going to see if I can, I know, uh, it's only a couple weeks after classic, but I'm going to see, uh, perhaps we'll see how it works out to try to get up there. But if not, definitely at least want to support it as much as we can with this show and promote it as much as we can with this show. So that's a great way to start um, the news segment. Now, the the next piece of news is an interesting piece of news, and it's interesting because Jeff West and Indie Performance Composites are the main sponsor of this show. I texted Jeff a couple of times to, to try to get him to... Uh, he is so busy that he he hasn't even been able to get on his own show and talk about his own racing, and out comes the announcement that uh, he and Greg Furlong are putting together a schedule for next year to run a bunch of ISMA races. Um, this is this is awesome on a number of levels. I know Greg Greg said I'm fine. I don't need to race anymore, and I think we all kind of sort of turned our head went, you know, because uh, we know that, that he would have loved to have gotten back behind the wheel if the opportunity came up. And, um, you know, what better way to do it than with Jeff West, who sold you your first car? And I think that was – I think Jeff still owned it when Greg drove the first race or two in it. Yep. As, uh, I think it goes back that far. So, um, you know, you kind of get the old band back together and, and go play. So – uh, this excited a lot of people, and I'm not going to get into the any of the the you know Oswego furlong whatever. Don't at this point don't care. Um, I, I just right. it, this is an Isma thing. So um, and, and and look, they're either going to run Oswego or they're not. Don't care. Doesn't matter. I love what exists, and this is a this is a cool deal and an and an interesting storyline from the ISMA standpoint that we can follow. So it, it pumps a little bit of energy into that part of it. And, you know, Jeff and Greg together, uh, I would love to be the first one to do that interview with the two of them both in the same uh, place where we could, you know, could go back and forth a little bit. They're just fun guys. And and I think this is a cool opportunity. Oh, it's absolutely awesome to see Greg back. It's just such a huge shot in the arm for, super modified racing and you know it is it is a couple of very fun guys and and i think that's really what it's all about for those two is just having fun at this stage but um obviously the best equipment you can get brand new engine yeah brand new hawk chassis so um fun or not greg's going to have the opportunity to go out and contend for some wins i think and 
just, you know, to see him back. I, I worked for Greg and have spent a lot of time around him since his retirement, I guess, if you will. And I, I'm always busting on him saying, come on, when are you going to get a car? When are you going to come back? And he's just never really had an opportunity that's either worked out or that he's just wanted to jump at. And I knew about this one kind of from the beginning. And I said, you know, Greg, if you don't do this, you're really never going to come back. And, and he kind of agreed. And he says, well, you know, I, I think I'm going to think about it. And, and what would it take to sit down and, and do an interview about an announcement? So at that point, I knew he was serious. And I'm just, I'm thrilled for him and for his fans that are going to get to see him race again. Well, yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, again, uh, this is good for, for the, this is good for super modified racing. It's good for Isman. It's good for MSS because it, yes. it's going to shine a lot of light on it. Obviously, Greg has a lot of fans. Jeff is very well liked by everybody. So, you know, we're all going to pay attention to this. And, you know, like, no matter what the results are, obviously the results can be really, really good. Um, but I think no matter what the results are, like I said, this is just a when it when it came out. I mean, you know, you and I had had talked about this ahead of time so we kind of knew what was coming but yep. um to be able to 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 see this and and to have this team again it's 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 an opportunity in a year when you know isma's looking to kind of rebuild and uh kind of refresh itself i think um you know we don't know or maybe you know um you know exactly how many races this will end up being but um you know, I, I I'm glad I'm I'm glad for one thing that it seems like both of the uh, LOR races, um, Indy Raceway Park races, uh, are are on that schedule, and um, obviously a number of ISMA races. Uh, would I like to see them run a Swiggo? Absolutely, but you know, again, that is what it is, and I think everybody just needs to let it go it's you know there's 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 a situation that went on and you know we can all have our own opinions about it or whatever doesn't matter you know this is good for super modified racing uh as a whole and you know i will just remain hopeful that at some point someday maybe you know that whole thing can just be relaxed and put to bed and everybody can get over it and move on but you know again i'm not going to worry about that i'm just glad to have them back for what what races they're running and it'll be fun to see uh greg back in a car right and that's and that's the thing and i get all the fans that when the announcement came out it was a shock to a lot of people and they're like oh greg furlong well is he going to run the isma show to swiggo yeah. and is he going to run the classic like i, I right. understand that but for greg i really don't think it's about that would he love to come back and run the classic if given the opportunity absolutely sure i'm sure he would. he would will that happen I don't know. I just want people to, to be happy for Greg and, and for Jeff and go out and support Isma and MSS. Travel a little bit and check out some other tracks. Make a road trip out of it if you want to see Greg race. Yeah. Go check out you know, what the Midwest and New England area, some of these different tracks have to offer. There's there's a lot of other racetracks that, that offer some pretty darn good super modified racing. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to to see how that goes uh what else do we have to talk about here camden uh it seemed like there was one more that uh that i'm not thinking about right now what did i miss well there's the four cylinder race on that's Classic the other that news story yeah yeah i didn't i'm looking at my notes here and i forgot to write that one down um it was uh i knew there was another big story that one seemed straight out of left field but uh if you for those who've been paying attention 
this is the same touring series that's on the four division bill in June at Lucas Oil Raceway. It's the same group. You've got for that show, you've got the MSS Supers, you've got the Mussy uh racing sprints, you've got the Super Cup stock car series, which is a nice little series, uh, and then you've got this this Midwest touring series. But when I saw that these guys were coming to the Classic, I had to look at this twice to make sure I was actually reading that right. I think this is perfect. This is the perfect addition. We've we talked about, or I've talked about, I don't know if you and I have actually talked on this show about it um, since the, the, the Sport Mod announcement was made, but um, I've talked about the fact that I think it's great that Oswego is becoming known for being willing to be a little bit diverse. And I think the the fan base is now more accepting of some of these outside divisions coming in and them seeing something different. And, you know, people can look at this and raise their eyebrow, but this is a pretty, from what what I've researched about this particular series, this is a pretty... Uh, intense group of race car drivers who just want to have fun with with these cars, but they get after it and um, they're trying to do something with this type of car that really doesn't, you know, it it hasn't existed before in terms of being a big touring group. Um, I just I think this this again makes for something really different on Classic Weekend. I'm excited about it. <laughs> Me too. It is. It's super different. I don't know if we've ever even had a four cylinder race at a Swiggo. I don't think so. Not that I remember, except for the Pro Four mods. Um, yeah, that's but, right. Yeah, you know, I don't. Those aren't the same as what these cars are, obviously. So I think it's an apple no. and orange. But yeah, I, I don't think this is. Uh, you know, again, I think Classic Weekend. Look, I. I mean, what, uh, sure. I, I if I could jump in the time machine and go back and you know and and lock into the seventies, yeah, absolutely. Let's get sixty supers and whatever, blah blah blah, and eighty mods, and let's go for it. And you know, I could deal with that. But in this day and age, there are so many different divisions that put on great racing, and I think I think a Swigo. I love that John and Eric and and the staff are willing to to do these types of things because it keeps their new fans come in and, you know, they'll bring people that probably wouldn't otherwise be here. Obviously all the teams wouldn't be here. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. they'll bring new fans. And again, this is good for racing as a whole to see a Swiggo's a big stage. And I think with the sport mods, the super stocks and in this division, uh, I think, you know, we're being reminded as as super modified fans and the Swiggo fans, of just how much people from the outside revere the Oswego Speedway. And so, you know, this this to me is just nothing but fun. And when I saw it, and after I kind of looked at it a couple times and said, wow, okay, um, this this touring series is serious. They're, you know, because it's not like this is a series that's going to, they're all going to have to travel a pretty good distance, but I'm betting we get a nice car count, and I, I think it'll be uh, it'll be a fun show to watch. You know, I think it's going to be a blast, and you bring up a great point. My, one of my favorite parts of the whole Dave London Memorial announcement last year was getting all the quotes from the Superstock guys that say, you know, oh my goodness, the Swiggo, it's like the crown yeah. jewel, it's a dream to race yeah. there, and I think 
even myself, I, I take it for granted just how special it is to race there every week. And these, these different guys that come in, this is a Midwest series. They're all kind of freaking out over this. They're so excited just to come and see a Swigo and have the opportunity to race there. So that's, that is something that makes it really special. I think we have the most diverse schedule we've had in a really long time. Oh, easily. And I, you know, I'm loving it. It's, it's different. And I was talking to Paul a couple of weeks ago in a meeting and he mentioned that, Hey, you know, we might, we might want to bring in another division on classic Saturday to kind of support the show. And I wasn't sure what it was going to be. And I was, <laughs> I was walking around Walmart last week and Chuck Hanley texted me and said, Hey, the Midwest compact tour is coming. And I'm like, what in the world is that? Is the Midwest compact tour? <laughs> so, <laughs> <The> what? <laughs> so I jumped on Google and I found out that, Hey, they're, they're bringing like 25 cars to every single one of the races. And they're all over the place. Midwest, uh, all, all the way West, the East a little bit. And man, it seems like they have a great following. And like you said, a really bunch of, you know, hard nosed, good race car drivers that just want to go out and put on a show. So it's, it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do at Oswego. Well, and again, you know, I think fans that come to the classic, it, it, look, it, I mean, there are a number of people out there that if it isn't a super, we're not buying a ticket to go in and see it. Come on, folks, get, get over yourselves. The modifieds always put on a good race. And to me, this is the perfect companion. So you, you get to, you know, it, it's something that we can go and enjoy and have a good time with. Um, and, and and it fits to me with, with the Modifieds very nicely. And uh, it just makes uh, a nice spot for Saturday, the 350 uh, Supers, obviously, on the card that day as well. Mm-hmm. Uh so there is a super modified running, so you all can buy tickets and go watch it. Um, yeah. You know, so and then while you're at it, uh, enjoy these other cars and have a good time. Classic weekend to me is as much about having a good time and you know r- seeing everybody that you haven't seen in a year or whatever. Um, and I think this this is the type of division that you can just kind of sit and enjoy and and. Uh, Watch them fly. Uh, you know, I mean, this will be big-time speed for them, I'm sure. I don't know how many other tracks. Um, you know, Lucas Oil and, and, and Oswego are probably the two biggest tracks they'll run all year. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's gonna be uh, an interesting show. And, you know, again, um, I applaud John and Eric for being open to trying these things. And uh, not every promoter is. And I think some of these classes – um, it's, it's a fairly economical class. So the car count I imagine is going to be pretty good. Um, and it won't, you know, I don't, here's the thing. I mean, obviously the modifieds, they want to be top bill and they should be top bill. Uh, and it was great when we had Isma and the modifieds together, but, um, I like this schedule on Saturday, and I I think that this makes Classic Weekend more diverse, and it gives us just enough Super Modifieds to not, because ultimately it's all about the Classic on Sunday anyway. The rest of the shows, while we can, we don't want to disrespect any of the divisions, we don't want to, but let's face facts here. You know, they're all part of the undercard to the Super Modified Classic, so... Um, you know, in, in my, in my opinion, I think this fits in very well and it just adds another uh, group of fans that'll come into a swiggle and maybe they'll see something they like and come back a few more times. 
For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I was kind of looking at their website a little bit yesterday just for what it's worth. And it's it's kind of interesting. I don't want to get into all of it, but they have like a, a E series, a North series, and then a Dash series. So there's a good, you know, two dozen cars that just travel this series. Yeah. And I think in central New York, Adirondack does it and Evans Mills does it, but there aren't too many tracks that have weekly four cylinder or compact cars yeah. on asphalt. So I think you could even get some of the Fulton Speedway, Brewerton Speedway, weekly four-cylinder dirt guys that come and race Oswego. I think there's going to be like 35, 40 of them, honestly. Well, I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I don't know what, you know, how the rules would compare between those those groups or those types of cars or whatever, the dirt and pavement or whatever. But, um, you know, I think that uh, it's a great possibility, and I just love that, uh, we get to see some different things, and you know, I Me always, too. you know, I, down here we see the, what they're called front wheel drives down here, and I mean, I work Greenville every week um, a few years ago. I think it was sixteen, and uh, honestly, the front wheel drive class put on the best racing, probably half or more of the race weeks. I mean, they those guys, they were three and four wide. All the time, um, restarts were insane, um, you know, and, and those guys took the racing seriously and yet had a lot of fun at the same time. And, yep. you know, you'd see people, teams pulling in with four or five of the darn things, you know, because, again, you could you could put one together fairly cheaply and 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 just go racing with it and, and have some fun and not be, you know, worrying about all the politics and everything that it seems right. like come with, you know. The bigger classes. So, yeah, um, definitely fun stuff. That was, again, I saw that the other day, and I had to look at it twice. It was, it was, it seemed straight out of left field, but when I realized it was the same group as what's going on at, at Lucas Oil, it made a little more sense. And, um, you know, it, 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 it definitely is uh, a little bit of a difference in, you know any schedule, and certainly for Classic Weekend, it should be a hoot. So that'll be uh, for sure. And those guys, again, I'm sure they're, you know, they're going to look at the Swiggo the same way these other, you know, divisions do. Um, everybody's going to want to come and run the Big O because they've heard so much about it over the years. So, um, you know, pretty neat deal. Uh, so it sounds like things are are shaping up nicely here. What what loose ends are we still tying up as we get ready to? I mean. You know, we're only um, a couple of months, really, uh, less than a couple of months away from the um, the, the show in March. Uh, what what uh, what loose ends are we still tying up? What have we still got on the burner? What are we looking forward to? Um, what's out there, rumors wise, for cars and all of that? Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what. I saw the announcement come out on the Motorsports Expo yesterday, and I said, "Oh my God!" Like. Where's the off season gone? It's it, it's really <laughs> I don't flown think by. there is one anymore. <laughs> it's a couple of weeks off of the holidays. Yeah, it really is. It's it's you know the season's sneaking up on us, yeah. and everybody's excited. We're we're tying up a few loose ends. We got to get camping pricing out and grandstand pricing and season tickets, and that really is is days away. Realistically, I hope by the end of the week we had talked about by the end of January. So hopefully this week i can put all that stuff out there for everybody but other than that we're gonna start rolling out the countdown and get a lot of driver and team news out and start to build excitement for the season if, if anybody wants to come and support us at the race show which we 
we really would love to have a super modified there. We really encourage teams if they have their cars ready to come out and, you know, get with me or Paul and, and sign up and, you know, come have fun. It's a, it's a fun weekend up there. Friday night, go in and set up and Saturday and Sunday have the show and, and, and racing on Friday and Saturday as well at the, the new exposition center there, yeah. the indoor auto racing. So it's, it's a fun weekend to be a part of. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm hoping that the weather is uh, good this year for me to travel because if it is, I'm coming up. I want to, I want to be a part of that and see that. And uh, you know, it should be a, should be a great weekend. Uh, you know, and, and I'm surprised you don't have a super modified because you know, somebody who actually has one in their garage. Don't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, come on, Cam. <laughs> you got. I don't two know months. what you're talking about. <laughs> you got two months. Put it together and go. Um, it's uh, yeah, that it is. It you know, anymore. It seems like it takes forever for people to get these cars together, and, and it's tough. You know, I, I get uh, it. I really do get it. We'd love to have one, but I know firsthand how difficult it is. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, somebody will have one. Uh, you know, if not, put a 350 or a couple of SBSs or whatever in there, and that's what yep. you got. You know, I mean, it's whoever wants to come out. It really is to people's advantage. I don't think they realize that, um, you know, the, the publicity that that generates and people that see it and see you and see your car and your sponsors and, you know, everybody wants sponsors, but, you know, you you kind of sometimes you got to. You know, you got to work for it a little bit. And, you know, these shows are important. There aren't nearly as many of them up there as there used to be. I can remember when I was younger, we used to have three or four of them in the off season in different parts of New York. I think there was one in Rochester. I think Binghamton had one. Um, they had always had one in Syracuse. Um, and I don't, I think there was another one too, but there's, there was at least three or four of them. Um, Every winter, Auburn, maybe you know, yeah, some somewhere there used to be back in the seventies, early eighties, whatever. Um, and and it seems like they've all kind of gone away. The expo is the only one that's that's remained. Um, you know, that's that's big as far as I'm aware of. There may be some that you know, me not being up there, there may be some I've just kind of not known about. But um, and I think now there's just that big one, and so. You know, it's an opportunity for people to get out and promote their sponsors uh, to a bigger audience than what you get most of the time at the racetrack. And again, with the TQs racing there, too, uh, you know, it's a great weekend. And, um, you know, I, I used to love, I mean, when the TQs were running at Niagara Falls, they would run about three times a year. And gosh, you just look so forward to those weekends in the off season. Cause it was, it was like a break, break from winter. You could just go up there and, um, you know, and hang out indoors and party and have a good time and see some cool racing. And so I'm glad that uh, it's come back to Syracuse. Cause I think that's, that's a great place for it. And, uh, you know, it makes for again, a, a, a bit of a preseason, um, uh, something to do before the season gets started. And it's kind of the unofficial start of the season, I guess, um, you know, you know, when the TQ race starts that it's, you know, it's getting pretty close. So, um, and it shouldn't signal that it's now time to start working on your race car to get it ready for the opener. Uh, you should have already been doing that. Come on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a cool weekend. So I hope I can, hopefully the weather will be good where I can travel up safely and, and, uh, spend the weekend and be a part of that. Cause I, I missed last year's and I really want to go see those races and in, indoors up, over, over there. So. 
Um, should be fun. Uh, we will look forward to obviously keeping up with uh, with what's going on through you, and uh, um, we'll have you back on next week uh, with update on anything else that's new. Um, you know, it still seems like there are a few folks that we don't quite know about or know what's going on with. Um, you know, and again, I put this out there for any race teams, whatever you want to. You know, you got news. Make sure Cam knows about it. Make sure I know about it. Uh, you know, that's what this show is for. We want to promote you and promote your sponsors and promote what's going on with you, but you got to let us know about it. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, we'll, we'll get back together next week and uh, continue. Sounds great, Tom. It was great to catch up again for the third week in a row. Yeah, I I, you're setting a, setting a record here, I think. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> always good to have you on, Cam. And uh, we're going to step aside when we come back. Mike Bruce will join us and stay tuned because Joe Gozik is coming up and you are going to want to share this interview. It is just an incredible interview and uh, it um, it has an interesting ending too that was not planned. So we'll be back with more <laughs> of Inside Groove right after this. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider, motorcycle air suspension at Strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode 31. Mike Bruce joining us now. And Mike is, uh, I think, best known to all of us as the driver uh, of a small block super or a limited super or whatever you want to call it. And the driver of a small block super or a 350 super, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, But we're not going to talk to him about that just yet. The reason we brought him on today is to talk about uh, something that I think is pretty doggone cool that he did uh, with the SBS class and for the SBS class for this fall. He went and booked a doubleheader show up north um, and Adirondack one day and Evans Mills the next day. Mike Bruce, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you on. And uh, wow, this is a pretty cool deal. How did this all come together to have this uh, two-day show at two different tracks here back-to-back? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me back in. It's always nice, obviously, to get on the phone and talk to you about racing and stuff, so that's exciting. But um, this year, it just kind of came together. Um, we talked with Adirondack Speedway, the the new owner that's taken over uh, leasing the track at the moment. Um, talked to him briefly one day, and he said he had to get a couple more things in mind, and he'd be back in touch. And uh, he called me Saturday, and he says, hey, I want you to have a show. And I told him what we needed for a purse, and he says, what date do you want? And I gave him our date, and it was literally a matter of a 10 15 minute phone call <laughs> wow. he, was, he was just excited to to get us on the schedule he didn't question anything and uh, it was the smoothest smoothest one that we've had so far <laughs> well that's that's pretty amazing honestly i mean yeah. I, um did you already have the date booked at evans mills then before that happened 
Yeah, so the uh, it's kind of the same thing with Evans Mills. I, I reached out to uh, Mr. Gill and I uh, sent him a text uh, right around the holidays with a couple of dates, and and uh, he sent it to his wife, and and I talked to his wife some on Facebook through Messenger, and she they basically said whatever we want to do, they were supporting it. They liked our show the last time and and wanted us there as many times as we wanted the race there this summer. So uh, we scheduled the race for the the fall brawl event, which was on the 18th, which was their classic uh, memorial race that they did last year. Um, same Saturday night event like we did this past, uh, you know, 2019 season. And uh, I talked to a couple of guys, and I biggest thing of trying to schedule these races out of town is I don't want to conflict with anything that we're doing at Circle Speedway, or um, I'm trying my best not to conflict with anything to do with any of the 350 races because there's a few of us that, that do the double duty between sure. the two classes. So, um, so that's been the hardest problem trying to, to get races scheduled, and um, it's hard to do double headers when it's when it conflicts within a swig of weekend even because not many people um, are interested in, in taking a chance of racking up their equipment and stuff on the racing for the uh, beloved points at a swigo so interesting uh, yeah <laughs> well i understand that uh, you actually wanted to to try to get the uh, 350s on that that weekend but but they've got uh, the star classic uh yeah and, you know that's a tough deal because it's like i was talking about on the last show a little bit with the Isma schedule and Oswego and all of the different. Now you've got um, Lucas Oil Raceways having two shows for the Supers over the summer with a couple different promoters. Um, you know, it's 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 hard to kind of have everybody work together and not have. It's almost inevitable you're going to get some conflict at some point, and you just. You know, you do your best to stay off it, and this is one of those situations where you were able to do something really nice for the um, the SBS series that, you know, it just didn't come together for the 350s just because Star had to move their classic back a week because they've got some concerns over shared crowd, I guess, with uh, the New Hampshire Motor Speedway um, big event there that they're having. Uh, the traditional Star Classic weekend, so um, it's it's tough to do these sorts of things. But you managed to to kind of put together a, a a really nice deal for the SBS class, which I'm excited about. And I think more importantly, it further establishes the presence up north at both Evans Mills and now also at Arondack. Which did you say they have a new uh, owner as well there? Yeah. Um, so I, I I literally just met the guy this past Saturday. Um, he's actually leasing the track from the owners of Adirondack, I believe. So don't quote me on any of it, but um, his name's Frank. Uh, okay. I, I spoke with him for the first time on Friday, and uh, he's excited. He's got big plans. You know, he's he's uh, got new new fuel to his flame, and uh, and he's looking to do some big things there. And, and um, honestly, just from talking to the guy. Uh, same as, as as Mr. and Mrs. Gill from from Evans Mill Speedway. They they know that they have to bring classes in. They know that people want to see classes and car counts and and see different kinds of cars for racing programs. Sure. Um, you know they've they've been so easy to work with um, from my standpoint of it that it's it's been great. So that's awesome. I I feel like it's. Uh, I mean that's one of the things way back in the day. Uh, there were of course several of us that put together that Nora series in the first place and really. Um, wanted to to see something work with the limiteds to to do a little bit of touring each year uh again not to conflict with Oswego and it you know it it was good for a little bit then it kind of went away and then you guys uh you and cam 
um, have kind of brought it back a little bit over the last few seasons, and it's been great to see that. What are the plans? We know that we have this doubleheader show. What are the plans outside of that? Are there any plans to hold any other races? How many Evans Mills shows do we get? Any other tracks involved? What are you looking at right now with all of that for 2020 as far as other out-of-town shows? Yeah, so uh, as far as the 2020 part of it goes, um, our first race is actually going to be at Evans Mills. We have our our um, limited SBS season opener is going to be at Evans Mills on May 9th. Um, it's their second week of racing, and it's going to be our first week before our open practice at a single speedway. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so we're going to kick the, the, the season off um, on May 9th at Evans Mills. Um, right now, all we have scheduled for is, is May 9th and then the 18th and 19th at Adirondack and Evans Mills. Um, there's a couple other weekends that, that are uh, being talked about, and I just haven't pulled the trigger on anything yet. Um, our Harbor Fest weekend, uh, I think we're going to try scheduling a race there because I know a lot of the, the guys, we've done Harbor Fest for years and years and years, and a lot of the guys would uh, you know be, be open to, to go and do a show that weekend. Um, and then possibly also graduation weekend. Um, the conflicts with some people if they have you know the kids that are graduating or family members right. or whatever, but... I think a lot of us would, would rather go racing on our graduation weekend, too. So I know Evans Mills and Adirondack Bowl Speedways, they're, like I said, they're they're all for getting us in there. So it's just a matter of, of me being uh, – I like to communicate with all the guys first. You know what I mean? It's not sure. – I'm, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm not doing it for, you know, anything. It's it's a, it's a big group effort, and, and I try to communicate with as many of the, the teams and drivers as I can and get everybody on board before I pull the trigger. You know, the last thing I want to do is pull the trigger on a race and, and not have the support or stuff's going on. I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? When, when we have stuff that, that is conflicting and we can't always make every race, I, you know, completely understand it. So right. I just kind of like to keep everybody on the same page and, and make sure that we're going to have the support beforehand and make sure there's the interest in it. So, uh, you know, when I get enough yeses and, and good to goes from the guys and the teams to, to schedule another race for, uh, you know, a mid-season or something for one of the tracks or maybe even both of them, uh, then, then we may try schedule one or two more shows for the summer. But same time, I don't want to over overboard it and uh, become too much for some of the guys because uh, it is a, is a busy season, you know, hitting Oswego as much as we do and then a few shows outside of it. So, Well, it makes sense, and uh, I think that's good wisdom. And, you know, you, you've got a good thing going there. Hopefully maybe one or two more shows. If you could, you know, do four or five out of town shows each year at tracks that really want you guys where it's, you know, it's kind of easy travel and everybody enjoys going and running. You know, I think it's a little different atmosphere when you go out of town and you're not necessarily so concerned about points or whatever. It's just everybody go race and have a good time. It seems like that's uh, definitely a, um, a pretty big deal, uh, and and the SBS class has always been good about supporting uh, any shows that, that have ever been scheduled. Really, I don't remember too many that uh, didn't have you know at least uh, fourteen, fifteen cars or so. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it's 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 all good, and it's exciting to hear. And I'm glad that Adirondack is in the fold. That's a neat little racetrack, and you know with Spencer Speedway being kind of in question right now nobody really knows what's going to happen there it's you know there are only so many asphalt tracks in new york state that y'all could go run and i think that north country double is really a nice little deal for everybody and you know you just go up friday stay the night and then go race saturday and come home kind of thing um Mm -hmm. you know nice deal that's awesome 
Yeah, that's kind of the game plan. That's what uh, I was talking with Greg O'Connor, a buddy of mine that, that has a couple cars, and, and I told him, I said, you know, we should all see about getting a hotel somewhere up there, and we can all stay with each other and make a you know whole weekend out of it. And uh, and uh, a lot of the guys are on board, and it's just going to be an all around good time, fun weekend. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot about the a lot of good about the Adirondack Speedway. Uh, Dan Denny was actually joking with me the other night in the shop. Um, he actually, the first time he raced at Adirondack Speedway, he was driving a Hedra car for uh, Fran Rowe uh, way back in the day. So, oh, that's uh, funny. We had, a good, we had a good kick about that, and, and he told me how great the track is. He said it was it was different, but he said it was a heck of a lot of fun. And I've never even seen the Speedway. I've, I've heard stories of you know when my parents were going there with the Supers of Jeff Albrook and Davey Tritek and yeah. them and, and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of history there around you know our asphalt cars and asphalt racing and uh, I didn't realize how close it was to home. It's a heck of a lot closer than I thought it was from a sweet go. So uh, that's a big perk for it. And uh, I think he's on board. I know um, as far as like traveling series goes, it's not just unlimited. You know if I can schedule some races for a 350 class and stuff like that. Um, you know, you can bet your butt that I'm going to be on top of that also. So it's not uh, – as long as I don't conflict with anything, with, with anything else that we got going on and we all continue working together, you know, we'll try scheduling as many shows as we can for, for both divisions. So uh, there is a uh, – on May 9th for the Evans Mills race, there is a 350 exhibition race that we're going to kind of do. Um, okay. I don't know – with the the car counts kind of growing and everything in the process still, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't want to make necessarily a race out of it, but um, Mr. Gill and I talked and, and kind of, if we get three, four or five, six cars, whatever it is that we get, 10 cars, you know, we'll go up and, and uh, put on a, a little practice and maybe a heat feature type thing or something, you know, and uh, kind of show what the 350s have to offer. Sure. And then, you know, maybe be able to get something going up there is also as soon as, uh, as soon as the division takes off a little more. So there's some exciting stuff going on for sure. Good. Well, we need more uh, ambitious promoters like yourself to uh, to get involved in you. And like I said, you and Cam and the group have done a great job over the last uh, few years putting all that together. Uh, but I know you're also looking forward to being behind the wheel again this year. Uh, give us an update on everything you've got going, because not only are you working on cars that you're going to drive but uh you've got little brother gonna jump in uh your former race car this year and you've got some other cars as well tell me about everything that uh you and and rich and everybody have got going on yeah this year it's uh it's been pretty wild so far um we kind of took off a couple of weeks. Cameron Rowe, he likes to do his hunting thing during the hunting season. So sure. that's his that's his time to kind of get his head together. And, and I was busy with work and, and everything. So uh, Dan Danny kind of finally cracked the whip, and he says, hey, you know, we got to get going on some race cars here. So uh, Rich dropped the car off down there to Dan Danny's shop, and, and we did a ton of upgrades to, to my car, uh, upgrades to the chassis, upgrades to the equipment, uh, just kind of putting a lot of new parts on. Uh, went through every square inch of it. Um, we're just getting ready. We're probably going to pick up some metal today or tomorrow so we can start doing a, put a new body on it. And uh, Dan's going to help me with all that, so it's pretty exciting. Uh, Dan's put a, a ton of time into the car this year uh, between, between myself and Dan. Chief, Rich, you know, Robbie, all of us, Robbie Pullen even, it's been uh, countless hours been put into the yeah. car, doing a lot of homework this year, which I haven't ever done. I've always done my homework, but I've never done as, as in-depth homework as I have this year, so I'm really excited for what, what I'm going to be able to put out there as far as the, the car that I'm driving this year with the, the support of everybody, so that's huge. Um, my brother's car has been, uh, that's in the body shop right now. My brother and my father have been building the body for that. Uh, it's the same thing with my brother. When I was racing, you know, my father always told me that 
if I wasn't in the shop working on the car, then I wasn't driving it. And, and when we had the mob light way back when, he actually put somebody else in the car because I didn't clean the panels on in one week. So uh, I pretty much told Good my brother lesson. the same thing. You know, yeah. it's your, your gig, so get get working on it. You know, so him and my dad been going hard at that one. Picked up a new motor for it uh, just yesterday, uh, late, late last night. We picked up the motor for it, so that's exciting. And I think my brother's starting to get a little more excited out the cars. You know, all put together. We already had that down to Dan's shop and, and went through it and everything, so pretty excited for that. So we got that. And then uh, Chewy uh, Richworth, he's got the, he bought the Cliff car, the super modified from, from Cliff's, and he turned that into a 350 for Cameron Road to drive. Um, which is exciting, and Dan put a ton of hours and work into that car as well. Um, and that car is just about ready to go. Cameron just finished the body for it. It's getting head- headers built for it right now, and then they're going to start stripping it. And um, we just talked to Pat and Oster today. We're going to bring all of our cars over there uh, to have them all fresh painted and stuff so we can start right from scratch. And um, It may not just be my team. You know what I mean? It's not just Bruce Racing anymore right. or something of that sort. It's, it's RBI and, and sure. JNS Paving, and, and, you know, it's, it's a big group of people. But between the, the big group of people that we got going on here, the the – uh, effort and, and uh, the effort and time and, and finances that's being put into all these cars and, and one big project of a, of a big race team is uh, it's been second to none all winter. I can tell you that it's 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 been any, it's it's been right up there as far as, as as the effort that's gone into any of my racing seasons. That's for sure. Well, which is exciting. It creates excitement for all of us, you know. Well, you know, you guys have become family, and that really is cool to see. I know I had a great time when I was able to get out there over the holidays and uh, see everybody. And, and uh, you know, it's that's what Oswego Speedway has always been about for me, and I know for a lot of us is is it's a giant family. And, um, you know, you're st- I, I really am starting to feel that again um, in the Super Modified Pits and in the back pits as well with the 350s and the SBS, uh, you know, you you guys, it's groups like your group that, uh, you know, that really make it feel that way. And you guys put a lot of effort into not only making the cars fast, but making them look pretty. And that's uh, that's pretty awesome. And I think uh, Cameron, I know he's going to have fun this year with uh, with the 350 car and, and also with his small block. And, of course, you've got your two cars. And it'll be great to have uh, Robbo, the, Robbo behind the wheel again. And, uh, well, I say again, first time in the small block. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and it'll give him uh, kind of an identity, too, other than uh, just being uh, your crew chief a little bit. And, um, you know, let him get his feet wet at uh, driving the cars as well. So that's, that's all really cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that part of it to get my brother out there racing with us. And uh, we haven't, um, I haven't really pursued anything as far as my my 350 part of it. With them switching over the 604 crate motors, it's just been a, a tough pill to swallow financially. Um, doing the motor deal and and they to kind of cut some of our races and and they cut back some of the purse based off of car counts and some stuff that I wasn't all that uh, too extreme about. So um, I know Barry. I just got done talking with Barry yesterday and. And uh, he just got his car broke out so he can start going through it. And as soon as we get the body built here on this old four car, I'm going to break my car out and start going through this 350 car for myself. And we got quite a bit of work that we want to do to kind of upgrade some of the stuff on that sure. one as well, just a lot of TLC and stuff like that. And uh, once we get a motor for it, we'll be, we're going to hit as many shows 
hopefully not have as many engine issues this year as we did last year and as many shows as we can as as far as the, the 350 get goes because uh, i just had an absolute ride with that last year with, with craig soper and and barry kingsley and oh, myself, my family you know I, those cars are those cars are fun they're definitely gonna take off just a matter of how uh how fast they do it's um you see all the time on the social media outlets and stuff like that of, of how easy everybody makes it seem you know just buy one of these big blocks sitting around and put a crate motor in it and you're good to go and that's the first, first thing from the truth i saw somebody on a social media network and it's hard not to argue with these people sometimes you yeah. know but uh well it, it was he was making some pretty ignorant ignorant comments about it and uh i just i sat there and i laughed to myself like man some of these people just don't understand the effort that goes into to transferring these cars over and switching them over and, and the equipment and the time and the money that has to go into it it's not you know what everybody it's it seems like it's pretty easy it's pretty close to super modified but there's a lot a lot of differences between the two cars so <laughs> well yeah i mean i think it's one of those situations where again it's just it is ignorance literally people just don't don't realize and even i didn't realize until i started talking to a couple of you guys last year and and all the differences there actually are but uh i do think that the future of the class is bright and you know i hope i I think it's a it's a fairly i'm not gonna i surely i'm not gonna use the word easy but i think it's it it is a a plausible step from the sbs over to a, a 350 in terms of the driving part of it, if you want to go that way. Um, so hopefully it just uh, continues to give people options, and that's really kind of what we want at this point. And, you know, I think it's a great class. And, you know, with a Swiggle and Star trying to work together, uh, that's really important because maximum car count is what everybody's looking for, obviously. And if you step on each other's toes too often, it it just divides the field of what's available, you know, to be able to go from one track to another. Yeah, that's what uh, Swigo and Star has been working great together. And also on top of that, Evans Mills and Adirondack have also been working together. Because originally Adirondack was racing Saturday night shows from the promoting end of it. And Evans Mills raced Saturday night shows. And they're not too far from each other. So Adirondack switched up to run Friday night shows. And um, like I was talking with Frank the other day when we were on the phone, that's like, you know, I mean, that's huge. That speaks volumes for, you know, that area. Asphalt racing isn't as... Uh, as it was maybe years and years ago, you know what I mean. It's, it's you're not seeing the car counts. It's everything's dwindled down and gotten a little more difficult. So anytime that that these tracks are working together instead of scheduling against each other and scheduling you know, races against each other, it's it's big. And um, yeah. I, I'm not trying to bash anybody in any way, but there's other traveling series that are around here. Um, you know, for for race cars and stuff like that that have been fighting and, and not working with the speedways, and uh, it's just but it's. I don't understand anybody's concepts when they they think that any of us going against one another is ever going to make anything good for any race division, let alone, you know, what we got going on at a Circle Speedway here. It doesn't. Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, that's the truth of it, you know. You know, it doesn't. And in the area that that I live in now, down here in NASCAR country, um, there's a lot of that. And, you know, it's, uh, it's really sad. You've got, you know, you've got multiple series that run the same kind of cars, especially on the dirt. Um, now, where you know you'll you'll have a, a a touring series race and you get thirteen cars, which you know to me that's not a feature; that's a heat race, and and it just you know that's not really 
Yeah, I think people see promoting a series as a way to make a lot of money. And number one, it's hard to do that. And number two, um, you know, if if you get three series in in a confined area that run the same exact amount of cars, and there aren't three hundred cars to to go around, then you know you you immediately start splitting the field, and it just subtracts from the potential of you know a car count if you only have one series or two series. Um, you know, so, and, the, and even on the asphalt, it's the same thing here. I mean, thankfully, Tri-County Speedway, which is um, about 25 minutes from Hickory Motor Speedway here, just got uh, purchased, and it's opening back up, and the new owner is wise enough to run on Friday nights like Adirondack's doing instead of trying to compete with Hickory because, again, the same kind of deal. They're within very close proximity, and if those two tracks can work together, that's going to be a real benefit for, for the, the, the drivers because, you know, now you got two nights a week to race your, your car, and it makes it more worth the investment and the time that it takes to maintain it when you get to do it two nights instead of one. So, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it, it seems like common sense, but unfortunately that just gets lost sometimes, you know, because everybody <laughs> it, uh, wants to, you know. True there everybody wants to do like i thing. said the uh you know the speedway's been easy to work with you know they've um craig and chuck uh, you know they're all for us doing these out of town shows sure. yeah um, it only helps them. speaking speaking on one half of it you know that griffin miller kid he hopped into um one of barlett's cars for the evans mill show and i don't know if they had plans beforehand or not but um him and a partner his that's been helping him with racing for years you know they purchased a car yep um he's coming out racing you know what i mean that's yep. that's what that's what my sales pitch has been every single time is and it's no different than any of the other guys we go up to devon's mills and and some of these street stock guys or these four cylinder guys or even some of the modified guys that are racing there see these cars everybody wants to race one time or another at the fame the swiggle speedway right. you know what i mean it's it's yep. it's 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 the asphalt track in our area and uh uh, these guys are that's that's how we're going to build up our divisions that are you know our 350 division our our limited division you know whatever yep. it is yep uh, based off people's finances you know and and uh and it's kind of nice to to be able to do it and i know a lot of us guys a lot of us die hard racers i guess I've, I've had somebody tell me before that not everybody likes to race as much as mike bruce does and <laughs> maybe that's a so but you know maybe that's that that is so but i know there's a good group of guys that are diehards and and uh, they're going to show up and support these shows and we'll be able to go and put on great shows at both of these tracks and it's inexpensive racing for us racers you know what i mean it's not like you have to you don't have to buy brand new tires you're not going to spend a ton of fuel uh you know a lot of the you saw a lot of the guys that may not have the best of the best equipment they ran extremely good at the last evans mills race you know what i mean where at a sweet yep. you might not have top of the line motor you might not have top of the line setup so um, a lot of the the lower buck teams are um you know have interest in going out to these traveling shows and and you know the thought in their head that they can compete better there you know what i mean that's going to give them a lot of drive to go out sure. and race you know so so that's exciting to see some of the, the lower buck teams get out there and, and be able to run competitive also well, it's also fun to see some different drivers, like you said, with Griffin and, you know, Camden's had obviously Tim in the car a few times in, in their small block. Um, you know, th- those ty- types of things are fun. You get to see some different names and different people go have a good time. And, and you know, like you said, it kind of it's a neutral track, so to speak, and, and they're smaller. So, you know, it becomes sort of a different kind of race and and maybe levels the playing field in some ways or at least you know there may be guys that run like the wind at adirondack maybe they don't figure out evans mills and and whatever so it's it's uh you know it's always interesting to 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 do those those types of shows and i think 
It's also good for your sponsors, too, especially if anybody's trying to get a sponsor that kind of has a bigger market, say, than just, you know, the greater Oswego County area. Um, you know, it, it gives you a whole other area to promote the sponsors in, too. So all of that helps. And, you know, but it takes people with the ambition that you have or that Cam has to go and put these things together. And, and uh, you know, I love seeing that. Danny Kapazinski's done a great job on the go-kart end of things. And, you know, you guys are doing good for the, you know, the, the small blocks uh, SBS. And hopefully, you know, at some point you can uh, find a way with the 350 class to, to get some shows, some double header with, you know, combination shows like that. Um you know, and uh, and again, that that's all the better for everybody. So we, I know I can speak as a fan and as a friend of not just you, but a lot of people that are in these divisions. Um, you know, I appreciate your efforts and appreciate uh, the progress and and the time that you put in to to do that. Because, like I said, it takes people like you to make it happen. So, way to go! And uh, looking forward to everything you guys have got on the racetrack too uh, this coming year. And like I said, it'll be fun to see little brother out there for sure. Yeah, <clears throat> now I just I need help from you to to get that North Carolina Shartner driver to come up. For a weekend. <laughs> well, I think he I think he committed the other day. I saw I saw his response. We'll have to put that on the calendar. So yeah. uh, we'll see if we can get uh, see if we can get Shartner up there for for that show. I think it'd be fun. You know he yeah he, he loves- said. Uh, he said he was going to put it into his schedule. He hasn't been able to make one of the shows yet. So, uh, Mr. Shartner and, and Tom, they came with uh, uh, Rich the kid Rich. Yeah, yeah that was yep. he, he came and ran the Evans Mill show yep. a couple of years back here. But um, I told Andrew he's got to come up and, and hit the doubleheader weekend at least. So, he's going to have to take a day off work and fly in early. <laughs> well, you know, Andrew, at this point, I think, they, I think they're, at a, a, they're at a point where I'm not sure they can commit to a weekly grind. But I think... The idea of being able to come up and, and, you know, run when they want to and and have fun still and, you know, and and kind of him still have that, that chance to get the racing fix. And like I said, a doubleheader is a great opportunity. You come up, you get two shows out of it at two different tracks, and I don't think Andrew's run either one of those tracks ever. So um, I think it would be fun for him to do that, just to, to do something different. So, yeah, we'll have to work on that and see if we can right. uh, make sure that happens. <laughs> so. Also, just one other quick point I want to put on sure. is that we were talking about it the first time um, about the rookies part of it, and I think our count right now for Oswego Speedway rookies is seven seven cars, which is the biggest rookie class that I've seen since now, my class had five in 2010. Now, uh, when you say seven rookie cars, is that all three divisions put together? That's SBS is limited only. Oh, wow. <laughs> Seven yep. new drivers in the SBS class. Se- wow. Seven new rookies. Wow. Yep. <coughs> so, That's good stuff. Yeah, well, there's a uh, – I'll probably forget one, but uh, Matt Germain is going to be a new rookie that's coming in. He had actually uh, – he purchased a 350 car, and he was putting that together, and then uh, he kind of rethought it with his wife. So Matt Germain's going to be coming in okay. and, and ideally running a full season. Uh, my brother's going to be running full season ideally. Uh, Griffin Miller, ideally. Uh, there's a, I believe his name's Joey DeStevens. Um, he's going to be a younger rookie. I don't know what their plans are, but I know he okay. plans on running. Uh, I believe Terry. Uh, I'm thinking. I'm not thinking the right name, but um, Terry that owns Jake Automotive. Oh, uh, okay. Her son. Yeah. 
Um, her son's going to be getting into it, and I wow. heard that they purchased the motor. I don't know for sure on that one, so I may be dropping names beforehand. But um, there are seven of them that I was talking with, with Greg O'Connor the other night. So it's going to be pretty exciting, uh, pretty exciting racing. So putting seven rookies out there this year, it'll be. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited for this race season; it's crazy. I mean, I think if if you know if everybody comes back that was there last year, and you know we end up with seven new people that's really good i mean that's that puts you back you know 20 plus uh hopefully a week and that's what you need is you you know once you if you can get to 20 that's a that's a good marker and i and i know that the 350s obviously are going to take probably another year or two to get there but that's okay too i mean it's a new class and the more people see it and the more they you know once now that they've got the motor situation i know there's been a lot of back and forth about that but you know it's a it's i understand all sides of it because i've kind of been in a variety of different positions in the sport and you know i can i think it's a i think it's a good idea um you know obviously it sets you guys back a little bit i think in the long run i think it's going to be the way it needs to be and i i feel like hopefully people will uh, you get, you know, three or four more people to put cars on the track and you won't have to worry about shows being scheduled. But also, too, you know, wanting to run them every week, it's tough because if you're trying to sort of, until you get to the point where you don't feel like you need the star cars anymore, um, you know, you're you're kind of in a situation where you don't want to run all the time because you want, you know, those guys to be able to come up and you guys go there at times with the 350s and, I don't know. It's a tough deal, but but I think everybody's committed to the idea of building the class, and I hope that remains the case. Yeah, no, I think it will be for sure. Like I said, there's um, there's a lot of outsiders that I guess that are kind of talking coming in. Good. Um, I know John Tesserario purchased. He used to run limiteds with us, and uh, he purchased a car. Oh, I didn't see uh, that. Yeah, John Tesserario. I believe he purchased one from Pat Strong. I believe. And oh, he's nice. Just about getting that finished up, and he has his engine and everything all ready to go, so he's got that. And then he also purchased a car that Matt Germain had. That that oh, um, it's an old furlong car, um, and I know he's working on putting that one together. I don't know what his plans are for it, uh, whether he's going to put somebody in it or or just flip it to another driver. But okay, um, he's he's kind of been he's been the guy in my eyes. He's been buying up cars and parts and and whatever good deals kind of sitting around he's picking up on them and i know uh, mike muldoon has been building 350 cars uh, he's he's building ideally a, a more top-end car and, and getting a you know top end dollar for it then i think what some of the the areas or teams are looking for at the moment but um but between him and, and john tesserero they're the two that are kind of taking it under their wing and trying to i guess get the jump on it as far as building cars and, and producing the cars and putting them out there for for teams to buy so um, i think once they get the hit on that and somebody can really find the niche to to put these cars out at a decent price range i think they'll start getting bought up and the class will class will take off fairly quickly so yeah it's too bad we don't have somebody around here that owns a speedway to drop a hundred grand on buying a bunch of cars because i feel like they could sell them off pretty quickly <laughs> if you well, ever had somebody to do that so well i know evans mills did that when they had to get their uh i think it was chrisman owned it at one time and he was trying to start a new division and that's what he did he went and bought a bunch of these cars that he was trying to race on and uh and they sold like hotcakes <laughs> interesting okay so well, but I'm sure it's a big, big expense at the same time. Well, so. it is, and, and again, I think you know, I, I, I think ideally, you kind of want to make it so that um, you know, the, the one thing I wouldn't want to see is is 
if it became a huge advantage to have a brand new car versus, you know, a, a used car, I think, uh, you know, in my mind, that bears watching because you could get to a point again where you, you know, the, the key here is to keep the investment reasonable enough so that you have the maximum amount of people who can can take advantage of it. If you start nudging the cost up there to end enter then you're you know you start losing out again um but you know we'll see where all that goes it'll be interesting for sure yeah the cost part of it they haven't in my opinion on it and this is only my opinion and based on the knowledge that i have but they haven't put enough uh uh, stopping points as far as the cost end of it goes see that's uh, you know somebody can go buy a brand new chassis you know from joey hawksby and you know, Joey's going to charge him the same money for a 350 super modified jazzy as he does a big block super modified jazzy. They're I'm sure, nearly identical, yeah. you know, pieces of equipment. Yep. You know, the, a lot of the, the front axles, they're still the same expense. The the front hubs are still right. the same expense. It's, yeah. You know, everything, the rear end still the same expense. Yep. It's, it's, you're not saving on a ton. Uh, you know, your shock packages are, you know, a little bit less because they, they don't let us run the, the, outside adjusters and Nolan shocks and whatever else that the, some of the big block guys are running. But um, the cars are, are identical in a lot of the sense, but um, different in a lot of sense also. So yeah. um, you know, hopefully well, it doesn't get out of control, but um, that's kind of a, a division thing. There's always, um, you know, the, the one Rick Hendrick that, that comes in and buys up three, four top of the line cars and, and runs them. And doesn't mean necessarily that they're always the best cars out there. That's for sure. Because there's, couple cars that were out there this year that got their butts banged so right it's all part of racing well you know it is and, and the thing is is that like you said that that can happen anywhere and that's um i know when when i started a 305 super uh, sprint car series down here for for a bit uh, a while back my you know my main goal was to never see a uh you know, a big time transporter in my pit area. I wanted, right. I, I wanted to make this so that there's no advantage to having yep. big money. And, yep. you know, I think that's, it's, it's, you got to really work hard on that to come up with a set of rules that, you know, money isn't going to be able to overcome because, you know, when you're trying to do a, a class that is a, a lower budget division, like the 350 super should be, um, that's always a concern. So hopefully um, people will keep an eye on that. And you certainly don't, you know, I don't want to stop um, Mike or Joey or whoever from building them, but just, just to say that, you know, you want a set of rules that, it, okay, they might be nice, shiny new cars, but that doesn't mean they're going to be, you know, three or four tenths faster than, you know, the the other cars. You don't want to create, that's, you know, that's just not what you want. That's what happened to the big block superclass. And, um, yeah. you know, we, we've got to be real careful that it doesn't happen to the 350s. But we'll see where all of it goes and certainly excited about uh, – what you you've got going, and again, um, appreciate your efforts with putting together the SBS stuff, and look forward to seeing how that turns out for sure. Um, you know, anytime you've got anything to announce, let me know. Um, we'll get you back on the show, and we can talk about it. Uh, if you had a show or sponsors or whatever, um, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, uh, the show is open to you. So we want to get awesome. the word out as much as we can. 
Yeah, I appreciate it very much. And, uh, well, I'm sure we'll have some other stuff coming together. And I know there are some uh, talks about some sponsors to go towards the races and stuff like that. So great. Uh, the help the help from uh, publicly making everything uh, known is always appreciated. Well, we'll do all we can for sure. All right, buddy, we appreciate it. I'll let you uh, get back at it. And we appreciate you being on. That is Mike Bruce. And we will be back with more right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just the school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financially it is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove. And I have to tell you, this is an interview that I have been just kind of saving in my back pocket since we started the show. I wanted to do this between seasons because I wanted to, we always, whenever Joe Gozik and I get together, it seems like we have no shortage of fun and uh, time talking about what he's been up to lately. Well, this time I wanted to do something a little different. So as we welcome Double O Joe Gozik to uh inside groove for the first time in probably 20 years um we really want to go back and joe i appreciate you taking some time to do this i know we've we've got a little bit of a time limit here which is actually probably good uh because it'll save us from uh still talking three hours from now um you know and and open the door for maybe another conversation later if we want to have one but certainly i wanted to start here with i want to go back to the beginning because that's kind of what we do on this show i back in 1980 you started uh, your first time ever in a car was with Steve Joya's Backup 99, and you and Donnie Joya had each gotten uh, that opportunity or each got an opportunity that year in the car. Um, but I want to go back and ask you, I know how Donnie got started. I mean, obviously, the Joya family had been involved in the sport for a while at that point. But how did Joe Gozik first get interested in racing, and how did Joe Gozik come to know the Joya family so that he gets that opportunity to jump into the car when you did? Huh. Oh, you're really digging way back. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, Tom. Anyways, it's, it's been a long time since uh, we've sat down with one another. I know you've come up to the track recently. Yeah. Um, and so, separate occasions. Yeah. But, um, Back then in the day when you were around in the town, you know, we used to talk all the time. But oh, yeah. It's kind of cool that you're still uh, helping out supers with all the publicity. We're and trying. Uh, these neat, neat stories, so that's cool. Uh, I guess it, it all started with me, um, uh, let me see, back in, eight, well, before the 80s, I started hanging out up on the hill 
where I grew up and got into motorcycles off dirt bikes with Tony Osetic. And um, so Tony, um, he had worked with my dad. And at the time before that, he like he got interested in getting a car, so he bought an old Gibson Roadster from Kenny Reese. So he had it up at his mom's house outside. They covered with a tarp and they worked on it. And um, we had raced motorcycles together, so you know I had interest then. Oh. From then, so that's kind of where where the Tony and I came in. But um, after that, you know, I got hanging around racing motorcycles, and then through friends, um, you know, I. I Somehow I got hooked up with with the Joya clan, and um, well, Tony had his car with John Cook driving it. Um, I I was helping Steve, and and time after as time went on, um, Tony, my father worked for the fire department. And he hired got Tony hired on the fire department, and Tony helped my dad build a garage at, at our home. Okay, and I, at that at that time I was. Still, I was working with the Joyas. So, um, so Tony, since it was a two-car garage, and Tony helped my dad. Then, my dad asked Tony. Tony needed a place to keep his car, so he kept it at my house. Now, it was kind of funny that you know Tony had a race car at my house, but I was helping Steve Joy across the. You See, know, I didn't know about river. all that. That's interesting. The other side of the river, you know, the other side of the town, you know, on the east side, and. Um, but, you know, back in those days, you know, racing was cool for kids because, you know, we'd ride our bikes to the racetrack and you'd yes. see all the cars from Ohio yes. and Michigan come in every Saturday night. And, you know, my dad took me to the races in the mid to late 60s, uh, you know, and, I, you know, Todd Gibson was my man, even though most people hated him. Um, but anyways, you know, so we, there was no... <laughs> yeah, including my father. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, there's a lot more Gibson haters than likers, but we have to be one of those. <laughs> but, um, you know, we used to always ride our bikes, uh, you know, across the city. So Joy's garage, you know, would go by there and look in, you know, peek in the garage and watch and let us watch. And, you know, you'd go down by the Sam Virgo's or, or Nick Virgo's shop of the P23 or whatever, sure. you know, down on, yep. it was on 4th Street or, um, you know, so, you know, as kids, we rode all over. So, um, through friends, uh, you know, after that, uh, you know, I got um, tied in with the with the Joyas and uh, and became, you know, uh, helping Steve quite a, quite a bit with, you know, the actual hands on in the car and, you know, he was like one, uh, you know, he he oversaw everything, but his dad built the engines and Steve oversaw the chassis and everything. So you know, he kind of let me have a first hand on that and uh, and Donnie helped and we had a whole great bunch of great guys on that team um yeah so that's where it started you know back in uh that would have been in i think in 74 so uh, actually before that I'll, I'll step back a little bit before that um somehow i got tied into the track and i can't really remember who but i was with gary morton or not, not gary dave morton, dave morton gary's brother okay so interesting i had helped him in the early 70s okay um really interesting and um my boy, I'm trying to pull a lot of this up. But uh, so Tony was in my shop uh, in my dad's house working on his car, and I would go to Joy's shop every night working on theirs. And then you know it progressed from '74 helping to '70. Uh, boy, I can't think. '76, '77, '78, '79. Steve built a new car, and he had his old car there. 
and yeah, I think he just felt, you know, he wanted to give Donnie a shot. We, we were both, you know, always chopping at the bit to try the cars. Right. And, um, you know, hanging around with all that, you know, the working on it was great. But I don't know, you know, young guys always look for an opportunity to drive, I think, sure. or get a chance. Yeah. Especially growing up in the Speedway those days, you know, cars were, you know, hand-built, most of them. Uh, you know, not like you buy them, to, you know, you can buy them today from a, you know, a separate manufacturer or whatever. Right. Um, you know, it was a lot of home built shops and home designs and, you know, it was, it was a lot different back then. And, you know, the track was always, you know, 4,000 people there every weekend. And, you know, it was, it was big when you walked in there, you could feel the, oh, yeah. you know, the, the, you could feel the, the, the action It was just, it was really neat. And so, you know, um, then Steve gave Donnie a shot one week and then he gave me a shot and, um. From there, um, I continued to help Steve, and I think that same year, it was 80, yeah, um, Tony Osetic lost his driver, Jim Gray, decided he wasn't going to race anymore, and it just happened that, you know, <laughs> I think Mr. Joya um, recommended that, to Tony to put me in the car, and that's where it all started. <laughs> the funny part of that is, now that you tell this whole story, and this is, I think, the part that's going to surprise a lot of people, because... I don't know how many people, casual fans anyways, actually understand that you had a relationship with Tony before you had a relationship with the Joyas. So it kind of came full circle to where you start with the Joyas, get an opportunity or two in the car with Steve, (laughs) and now Tony's got this opportunity because Jim Gray and he go their separate ways and and hey, you want to drive? <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's yeah. pretty amazing how that pre-existing relationship ended up yeah. coming around and creating that opportunity for you. Yeah, that's um, that's really how it went. And that, and that year, I believe um, it was in June of that year. I believe it was early in the season, and I think Donnie continued to drive that car when when I had an opportunity with Tony. So Donnie's career went that year, and that was about it because they. And they quit running two cars or whatever. I forget if Steve sold one or whatever. But, you know, and yeah. then that's my, that's where it all started for me with Tony. Um, started off with the car he had, um, which was a pretty rough, rough automobile. I mean, Tony, that was one of the first cars he ever built. And, you know, and I had been hanging with the Joyas and nothing against Tony, but, you know, the Joyas had race cars from back in the, I don't know, the 50s, 60s. Oh, of course. You know? Sure. Um, so, you know, um, what I learned from Steve, you know, he, he was meticulous about what he did. Everything was really crafted really well and, you know, went to the racetrack totally prepared. And so, you know, when I got it with Tony, um, that was, I was trying to, you know, turn that whole thing around and, you know, I saw what Steve had and I, I, you know, I wanted to have the same really nice equipment, you know, if we could, the best we could afford at that time. So, um, you know, that's, that's where it started. Then when we built a car in, uh, let me see, that was 80. I think we built a car in 82, winter of 82 to 83. And that car came out. It was a really good car. That that got me my first win, which, again, took two years again till 85 to get my first win. But we, we had been knocking on the door for years before that. So. Yeah, I, rem- I mean, I remember so well your progression. You, It just was obvious by 82, 83 that it was only a matter of time. And you guys, once you built that new car, it just seemed to your 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 progression kept getting better and better to the point where you got to 85, 86. I mean, 
you were winning and in contention for the championship and and all of that i mean how how when you look back how crazy was it that you know a random opportunity in 1980 has turned into all of this that's happened since i mean um <laughs> you know do you get much time to really sit down and reflect on the depth and all of what's happened over the course of 40 years? <laughs> I know it's, it's really, you know, it's strange when I, you know, as a kid growing up, I don't, I don't think I ever expected to, you know, I looked up to all these guys when I, you know, would go in the pits afterwards and, you know, thought that was, this was it. I mean, I wanted to be a race driver, but, you know, I never thought, you know, um, starting where I did and, and, developing through i think a lot of hard hard work i mean that was my life i we we worked on those things every day of the week almost and uh you know and more than financially i think it was our hard work and dedication yeah that you know eventually got us um you know we built that that car in 80 83 and you know we we teamed up and uh you know things changed things got better and we got better equipment as as you know sponsorship came and um, and, you know, it went 83, 84, 85. I got my first win, um, my first two wins. And my dad also passed away so in October of 85, yeah. um, like two weeks after Richie Evans passed. Um, so at least he got me to, you know, he got to see my first win. And, yeah. um, yeah. he always thought, um, you know, there was a couple of times we brought the car home on a flatbed, you know, a roll back and cause it had no tires that could roll. Yeah. And, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I was unloading that thing down the shop at 11 o'clock at night. And my dad looked at me and says, I think you ought to get a new hobby. Really? <laughs> and, you know, you know, you know, you could have taken his advice and gave up and quit. But, you know, it was in my blood. It was my passion. Um, you know, we put the thing back together, worked night and day on those things. And, you know, we had a lot of great people behind us. And, um you know, and eventually the hard work and dedication paid off, and we started winning races regularly through the, you know, mid to late 80s into the 90s. Um, you know, it, it, you look back at it, no, did I ever anticipate, you know, uh, doing it this long, being successful, um, you know, it, but it's it's been my life. I, you know, it just um, it keeps going for <laughs> For some reason, you know, I, I still I still really enjoy it, and um, you know that's why I continue on. Well, we're all thankful for that because we still enjoy you, and you know, obviously, I think in some ways, um, you you keep us feeling young because if <laughs> you know if you can still do this in your sixties, well, you know, I'm I'm younger than you, so I'm okay. You know, um, yeah. you know, it's kind of how it, uh, how it feels sometimes, but time tends to compress things, I think for, for us in our, in our minds. And, um, you know, when I look at your, your career, even up to, as you started to talk about the nineties, I mean, you know, you'd already been racing, 20 years not 20 years you'd already been racing about almost 15 years when you went and and got the opportunity at indianapolis but you'd you'd run phoenix in that time you'd you know you'd already accomplished a lot you know really anyone else would have been you know would be happy with just that span of time and for you it was almost like chapter one 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's funny. You know, as as we were more successful, and your name got out there. You know, I I had I had many connections to a lot of different yeah. people to to hook up with. You know, people out in California, so I could get a ride at Phoenix. Yep. Um, um you know, we we traveled to Florida. You know, we, just a lot of different opportunities. You know, we tire tested in North Carolina for a good year. I mean, you know, it just it went on and on, and it, it, you know, the opportunities just became more and more. You know, sprint cars out in Michigan, out in Indiana, um, you know, and, and led to, you know, um, early '90s when I won the classic '91, '92, yeah. and kind of branched out doing little different things there, some midget racing, and uh, you know, uh, just opportunities really came about, you know, because of your success at Oswego. Uh, which a lot of guys have had, and, and it's kind of marched them along the ladder a little bit, um, you know. And in in the early '90s, I think it was, um, you know, I got really good friends with John Nicotra, um, the Auto Citadel's owner there, and yeah. um, John and I became really good friends. And he always asked me, "Hey, why don't you come out to Indianapolis with me?" You know, and as a driver, you know, you get a little success, and you know, why not think for this guy? You know. Uh, you know, I thought, holy crap, if I could ever get the opportunity to run in Indianapolis. You know, I, I went out there and was just in awe of the place I, from the first time I walked in. It, I'm like, it's so much different than what we have been doing, you know, as far as my career before that. But, um, you know, John led me to a lot of great people that spoke for me and um, that that I was capable, more than capable of running in Indianapolis. Um, you know, just a, a few, you know, like uh, Bill Simpson. Um, oh God, there was um, a lot of a lot of people that he talked to. With, uh, a lot of people, the IRL people, uh, Tony George. You know, they they and they wanted to bring in people from you know short tracks to um, in the U in the U.S. U.S. Yeah. drivers that yep. that need an opportunity or always would like an opportunity, but you know the financial end of it always prevented that. So I think when that IRL uh, hit the ground, um, you know, and, and they split with the CART organization, the big names went one way, and, sure. and then they opened the doors for a lot of guys like myself. And I think that first year in '96, um, that was um, that was the opportunity that we ran with, and John hooked me up with uh, Bill Tempero out of uh, Colorado that had a AIS team, which then he made it into an IRL, IRL cars, um, you know, and, and through enough money that I raised, we were able to do like a test out in uh, Las Vegas. And then we went on to Indianapolis. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's really how I got there basically, uh, through knowing a lot of, a lot of really good people and, um, speaking up for me and they, they, they thought I could get the job done there. So, um, you know, it was a it was a, a whole different game when we got there, but um, you know, just to get there was a major accomplishment. When you first when you first got there, knowing you were going to drive, do you do you remember when you walked into the track for the first time? Do you remember what the feeling was? Were you were you scared? Were you overwhelmed? Were you intimidated? Or were you just kind of, hey, we're going to go do this. I can't wait. I mean, that's got to <laughs> be an amazing, like almost a, a, a an overwhelming kind of, you know, group of emotions going on all at the same time, I would think. 
Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head. Um, all of those emotions, I, I, you know, I don't think you can get away from them. Um, walking into a, a speed of that uh, speedway of that magnitude, I mean, um, you know, I had been there with the crowds and the and just the history behind the speedway, the drivers that have driven there, um, you know, and I was going to be a part of them. You know, I was like, wow, this, this is, you know, this is surreal to even get an opportunity to go around the speedway you know yeah. um you know your little guy that started way back when we were talking you know and and you know the greats that have raced there and you know you never would never would have thought that you could ever be be at that place or sit yourself in a car to go around that place so um it was it was intimidating there's no doubt um you know the speed was un, unbelievable um you know a lot just more consistent speed than you know, and I, I had ever been used to, you know. Sure. Uh, it's just uh, that that's the name of the game. There is you know, uh, going going around the corners as fast as you go down the straightaway, almost. So, um, it, it um, opened my eyes and um, a lot of great mentors, um, you know, that that taught us and watched us and coached us. Uh, guys like Johnny Rutherford, he was part of the IRL team. Uh, um, Ari Line like he was racing, but he was also watching. Um, there was just so many. Wow. Um, Al uh Oh God, I can't think of Parnelli Jones. I mean, the people oh. that I met. You know, just racers from way back, professional winning championship drivers. It was, it was, it was overwhelming. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, the month of May there was. Um, a month that I'll I'll never forget. I wish I could relive every day of it. It just uh, so many things happened each day and ups and downs and um, you know it just uh, every day was incredible. I can only imagine. I mean, I remember um, back in that time. I remember hearing. Uh, I mean, I had been you know doing the media thing for seven or eight years by then, and so I kind of. By then, I kind of had an understanding of, you know, here's here's if you're going to be um, appealing to the media and you're going to be, you know, here's what this looks like. And I remember the, the, the one thing that I remember hearing about you over the course of that month was that the media really enjoyed you because you have all of these sort of archetypical um indie car drivers and they're you know there's kind of a look and a swagger and you know a little bit of an attitude and whatever in in a lot of you know those guys and then here was joe gozik from oswego new york going out there and i kept hearing the word authentic i kept hearing the word um congenial and available and just you know fun and I can only imagine because I, you know, I work with younger drivers and, and train them in this whole media and, and concept and the idea being that as you go up the ladder, your the stage gets bigger. The demand for your time gets greater. You, you start having more and more obligations and more and more people to talk to and whatever. You've got to be prepared for that. Um You know, there was a, a, always a decent amount of press, right, at Oswego, but... I can only imagine that that part of it alone for you um, was almost overwhelming because obviously, I mean, it's a worldwide event, so everybody wants to talk to you guys. 
Right. Yeah, that's that's totally true. Um, yeah, you know, you couldn't walk outside the garage without someone grabbing you. Um, you know, just to get a get a quote, yeah. get a story. Um, you know, they did uh, they did TV spots and they did all kinds of stuff. You know, you had to be here and there, and uh, you know, I, I can't even remember all the things that we did. But you know, I end up going to uh, the ball. It was uh, I think it was the 500 ball downtown. Yeah. Um, you know, we I sat with a table. I, I mean, it was. There was huge you know, stars from all different sports. I, Man. I remember Marty Schottenheimer from the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, my. A coach. We sat with him, and, uh, oh, God, I can't think of big basketball players. And um, who else? Was, oh, there was just a – there was a whole – it was a big gala. Um, yeah, there was uh, probably 12, 15 big sports stars. And we sat at the table, and they – you know, they asked questions about the racing. You know, they had no clue about the racing. And, I, you know, and I knew who they were from their different sports that sure. they participated in. But, you know, you were <laughs> the little guy from the city was, you know, <laughs> eating dinner with the bigwigs. Yeah. You know, the people that are stars that, you you know, what is going on here? We felt like, oh, my God, you know, tuxedo and. Yeah. You know, that that was uh, part of Andy Evans, who I ended up driving for. You know, I didn't go through the story how the month went with the with the cars and how I actually ended up with Andy Evans. Right. Who, he was um, he was kind of partnered with Bill Gates somewhat from Microsoft. Oh, wow. Um, I, think, I think he um, no he actually, he lived in the same area where they, where they were from. And, um, wow. You know, so he... He was a big, big gun, and he. Uh, so I ended up, you know, with that team, and and then all the drivers went to this gala, um, you know. So I was last man in on that, and last man in on that team, you know. I was the seventh driver. He had, he had six cars already in the race, and and I was the seventh car in the race. So, um, you know, it goes on and on. The stories from Indianapolis that month were. Uh, just never ending, you know, uh, ups and downs from the Bill Tempero deal with the old 92, 91 Lolas with Buick V6s that blew up every time I went on the track. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's and, right. You know, the just wait, uh, Davey Hamilton, I forget, he was staying in the Speedway Hotel, and he he, he said, I got to turn the TV on first thing because when the track cars hit the track, the first hour was for rookies, and there was only a couple of us left that, left that didn't get through it right off the bat because the car a car wouldn't go long right. enough so Gosh. he said i gotta make sure i gotta make sure i get up early in the morning turn the tv in to see how many laps you make so, <laughs> from the speedway hotel that's no longer um you know he had a room right there right off the second turn uh south of second term and and um you know, he would watch and he'd see the thing go up and smoke on me after about five six laps and i only needed to do about 25 more laps to to get through my rookie thing, but uh, that turned into a, quite a saga. A try, just trying to get through my rookie thing because the car wouldn't run more than five, six laps without something happened to it. Man. So you know the the choice. Um, you know that was the only thing we could really afford with was with Bill Tempero um, with his equipment, and you know it was older, and he had the Buick V6s. Um, uh, they just they didn't uh, Brayton Enterprises. They they're the ones that pre- prepared them, and they 
it, the equipment just was outdated and and you know when you're trying to run at 220 30 20 miles an hour we were trying to get to with that car that was that was a challenge so um you know it, it took uh i went on that at the time the month of may was you were there for the whole month and the first week was like um some rookie practice and the second week went uh you know rookies would go first in the day then the all the other guys would go the rest of the day um and that fit you in if you needed to get more rookie practice before they allowed you to go on the track but uh sure um you know so that whole month you know and then it got down to similar now but now it's all incorporated in the one weekend leading up to the 500 uh, back then it was like three different qualifying weekends right. so yeah. um you know it was uh, it went on and on which at times with the car breaking and it just built more pressure and and you just didn't know what to expect next you know are we going to even make it through the rookie program um you know but uh it worked out i mean finally we got an engine to stay together and i i got through the um got through the rookie program um on the last weekend of qualifying <laughs> so oh, that would yeah, have been yeah, one yeah. week before the 500 um yeah. a lot went on uh you know the the cars that I was driving were were really beat up. Uh, Lola's, some of them had been repaired. So when I finally got through my rookie, I think we ran. Uh, I forget. We had to run uh, ten laps over two fifteen. So we finally got to run more than ten laps and run over two fifteen. So I got through the rookie program. Um, and a little bit of interest that day. I think it was the day that um, I got through it. Yeah, I know it was. Um, you know, so they debrief you after you get through your rookie orientation, and they get the. They have four um, uh, veterans that watch you at each corner from the outside of the track, and they make sure that you're smooth. You got a consistent line. You know, you keep your speed. You don't make any abrupt moves. So after they they debrief you in this uh, in the room afterwards, and um, you know, and they each tell you each quarter what you're doing right or wrong. And, you know, you got through your rookie thing, but now they, you know, they kind of coach you. Um, and I'll never forget um, that Johnny Rutherford said this, this place will bite you. You know, if you're not on top of your game the whole time, this place will bite you in a second. As we found out today with Scott Brayton, um, yeah. he had a tire go down and he was killed in the second turn when he hit the wall. Um, you know, and my eyes just went, and what am I doing here? I mean, this is, you know, just took a guy's life. And now I just got through the rookie thing, trying to, you know, do the same thing, compete, you know, in the 500. How do you, mm -hmm. you were so, always, you've always been a driver, Joe, who kind of wore his emotions on his sleeve and was, you know, you're so passionate and you're so, how at that moment, how do you sort of compartmentalize that and get, past that mental right. mountain how did how do you do that how uh, did you do that yeah that that was that was a difficult time when he when he said that it really you know and they and and when before we did our rookie orientation we just stepped back here we you know they had us go out in uh, corvettes and go around the track with a with a veteran driver and and run it like 80 90 100 mile an hour with the corvette just to show you the lines and your turning points and but anyways, so going back to that day, you know, um, and they warned you up front that this this track can be evil. You know, this this sure. is no joke. This, yeah. this kind of speed yeah. stuff happens really fast. 
and you know you got to be on top of your game and he just you know he just brought that back up uh johnny ruther he was awesome i mean he just said you know stay on top of it you know always keep your eyes and ears open and uh watch the faster cars and you know you know so from the point where he told me that because i they had not broken the news that you know he that scott brayton had passed yet, yeah except he told us there was i think uh i think three or four drivers that just got through it um and he told us that and uh, i like but as a race driver um you know, uh, I think I, I had been through situations, I think, with, like, um, A.J. Michaels or sure, whatever. right. I, I Somehow you, you put that behind you. I mean, it's, it's always there. But, you know, when you're, you're focused in a car, and I'll say especially at Indianapolis Motor Speedway going well, that fast. that's path, what I was going to say. You know, like... not that, that stuff just never, never comes into play. Um, you know, the thought of what happened to him, yeah. you know, you're out there, you know, with your mind and focus on your, what your own do, what you're doing with your own equipment. So, um, you know, you got by that, um, you know, you got over that hurdle. Uh, it was eye opening though. It really made me think like, what's making me come here? You know, the guy just lost his life and, you know, he yeah. had the pole position and, I'm like everything going his way, and uh, you know, just <laughs> makes you wonder why you were doing it for, right. for that split second. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, I had just got the okay to go out there with the big boys and and try to qualify. So, um, but that whole day, that went from from that to uh, boy, there's there's a storyline to this thing. Uh, so uh, the all the guys that were with Bill Temperio's team. We, they really liked me. They they were behind me 100% to try to get me through the rookie program. But on the other hand, in the back of their minds, they knew what these cars were. And some of them had be, been repaired. I mean, the tubs had been patched back together. And they knew a lot of this equipment wasn't really safe. So, um, you know, make a long story short, uh, shortly after I, I, I got through the rookie program with equipment, this one of the mechanics pulled me aside. He says, Joe, you need to take your bags. And even if you don't get to call for this race, I don't want to see you go on that track because if something happens to their car, you're not going to be protected very well because they, they've been, these cars have been uh, pieced back together and they shouldn't even be on the track. And they, he said, uh, you know, I just advise you to tell Bill that you, you're just, you're not going to try to qualify. Um, you know, the, the cars personally wouldn't go 220 miles an hour anyways. Okay. They weren't capable of it. Wow. They, you know, they're old and, um, so actually he, um, I, I've never talked to him since, um, he left, he left the track and left us, left Indiana cause he was afraid that, um, that Tampero and his partner, um, <laughs> a guy from Milwaukee, yeah. um, would, would come after him or something. So oh, wow. I pulled, I pulled the two of them aside and said, uh, I'm done. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to qualify the car and, their eyes, you know, opened up like, you, you can't leave us now. You know, we know we can put this thing in the field. And, oh, my. You know, we, we know you can put it in the field. And um, I said, nah. I said, nah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to walk on it. I'm, you know, I, I can't do it. And uh, so actually word it got to them, I think, on what what was told to the, the USAC and that who had governed the 
Speedway. Okay. About the you know the cars and that, and uh, they packed up their stuff and they left. Oh wow! Um, it was kind of sad. They gave me a great opportunity, and they were good people. But you know when I got the the true end of the story with these cars, um, you know they they just they felt for me my for my you know for my life they they these guys backed me 100 percent up to that point, but they knew these cars weren't safe, and uh, so so I I moved on. I went and told uh, I told USAC, um, and they wanted to know why. So I had to kind of tell them some of the details that this guy told me. And, right. Um, they didn't have to do anything because when the owners of the car found out that he had told people that, they just uh, packed up and left. So because mm. they they knew he was right. Um, the some of the uh, paperwork on the cars was were fudged. Um, oh boy! You know, the, the certifications and um, things checked right and everything. Uh, so, you know, there's there's part of the story I know I, I don't don't really tell very often. But um, so from then on, um, what happened was uh, Jack Long, who was part of the IRL, and Tony George, they had gone to Andy Evans and asked if there was a chance I could get in their seventh car. So. Uh, that's where that started to get me in the field. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> there a... that's a there again. I mean, just that little part of the story. Yeah, you talk about a bundle yeah. of emotions, right? I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, you could. Uh, I could write a story, a book on the things that went on out there. I mean, I remember my best friend Smitty. Uh, oh God, he. he um, at one point, uh, another driver came along, was looking to try to get my ride. We weren't going fast enough, of course, because the car wouldn't stay together. But sure. I remember he told the guy, you better get out of here. Or you're going to be eating concrete. I mean, had my back <laughs> all the way. And, you know, there's a lot of people come around, you know, trying to. There was people that wanted a shot at to get that race. and I'm sure. Um, you know, it was dog eat dog. And <laughs> there a lot, a lot went on there. But, uh Wow. Yeah, it was. I was fortunate. You know, they picked me up on a. After I had told them, uh, you know, that I was out of that deal, uh, USAC people picked me up and took me to Andy Evans, told me the story. So I was looking. I got one car. It's got. Uh, uh, it's got 50 miles left on the engine. At that point, um, when they leased these engines, you could only run them so many miles. Right. Sure. And if you run them beyond that, and something breaks, and you put the bill for whatever they are, two hundred fifty, sure. three hundred thousand. Yeah. So he said, look, it's got 50 miles on it, which you're on a two-and-a-half-mile speedway. There's only 20 laps. He says, you got 20 laps to put this car in the field. <laughs> I went, <laughs> the pressure's on. No pressure. I mean, again, how that is, you know, it's one thing. You, you're you're going to strap in and go run the Port City, run 150 or whatever. It's a whole other thing. To be yeah. in that position at Indianapolis as a rookie, especially after all the the things you've seen and all of the situation with the car that you just got out of, um, right? And you have no time really to get this, <laughs> comfortable with this car. It's game on. What again? What do you? What goes through your mind at that point? It was it was a whirlwind. It went from you know. Getting through my rookie thing, hearing you know Scott Brayton yeah. losing his life, um, telling them, telling the other team that I'm out of the deal, and then the IRL coming 
it wasn't long after they picking me up, but taking me into Evans, as soon as he said that, he had a guy um, that minute fitting me to a seat in that in that other car. They rolled that other car out and they they poured me a seat and said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go out." Let me see. That was on a Friday, I believe. That we're gonna go out later in the day if we can get some laps. And uh, or that was on Friday. Oh, we didn't get out on Friday, so we were gonna go out Saturday morning. Um, and that's that's where it started. Uh, wow. So the, the thing is, so um, let me think. So oh no, so it was Saturday. Yeah. So Saturday, we got the seat poured, and we got out on the track late. And the, my first laps were over. 220 so you needed 220 to get in the race wow so they said okay i think i had maybe six laps five laps and they waved me they called me in okay come on in they said okay we're going to qualify i was like are you kidding me i just sat in this car five laps ago you know i was like you gotta be kidding okay <laughs> okay so they rolled the thing up on the text Thing ran the front straightaway, and it actually <laughs> it failed tech. Um, oh, it, it was it was too low or it was too I forget something with the under tray. Um, the the spec was off and they wouldn't let us qualify. So um, that and that probably would have been great because I had no time to think about it. Um, but um, on the other hand, so then. You know, now you got a whole another night to Sunday, which is the last day of qualifying. Um, you know, thinking over how you're gonna sleep at all, how you you know, the things that went on that day was incredible. So I can only um, imagine my god no, I can't imagine. I mean that's just that's unbelievable, it, Joe. I had no idea yeah. of any of this detail. Yeah, we were it was sure most we were thrown did. into the fire a big time. I mean it was uh, wow. you know, there was no no time to there was no grass growing under my feet. They had me going here, there, and everywhere, and it was like, oh my God! All right, I you know what are you gonna do? You're in now. You can't, you can't back out now. You know, I well, had the investment I made, and sure. and Evan says, look, at you put the car in the race. I can. Uh, I forget what he told me. I can give you twenty uh, percent or something. Um, you know, if you finish or whatever. Yeah. I, I, that's how he said. I really can't pay anything. You know, I got at least new motor to put in the race. Um, you know, that's going to cost me whatever, 200,000, yeah. uh, you know, so I said, it is what it is. I spent what I had, I'm willing to give it a shot. And that's when they made the seat and away we went, you know, to that point, um, on that Saturday. So, um, uh, so now it's bump day and this, this is it. Like, <laughs> so, so that was, that was Saturday where it failed tech. So we didn't get to go on Saturday. So that was the last two days qualifying Saturday, Sunday. So Sunday morning came around, and uh, it was cool in the morning. And we decided we, we were going to go out, and we only had about uh, about 10 laps left on the car. So we went out like two, three laps. We were over 220, but the temperature was climbing during the day, and they knew the speed would come down. So we were, I forget where we were at, but we were plenty fast enough. But he says, well, we're going to wait until um, the last two hours of the day when the sun goes down, <laughs> traffic will get faster. So I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me! We gotta wait all day. I gotta go through this agony again all day long. That's cruel, man. <laughs> uh, Vicky and I. Um, so I, we had become really good friends with Bill Simpson, and unfortunately, you know, Bill just passed away. Yeah. And we're gonna miss him immensely. Because yeah. every every time we go to Indianapolis, and and my first days out there, 
you know, he knew of me, you know, as a super modified driver sure. from the Northeast. And yeah. he always welcomed me, gave me all my equipment from that day on. Um, you know, we, we, we went out to lunch. We, uh, I went to his place. We, we did all kinds of things when I was out there for the month and, uh, Vicky and I became really good friends with him. Um, so, um, let me see, where was I? Uh, so anyways, he has a suite on turn two on the second level. And, and, and when I had gone out previous years, we always went over to his suite and, you know, sure. he, he it. it was stocked with, you know, liquor and food and he, he'd sit out there and all the Tom Steve would come in and, you know, guys that, you know, Parnelli Jones and you name it, like just the drivers of the past that were, you know, icons of the sport. Right. I mean, you know, so we sat, so, uh, so I went over to Simpson suite and, and, um, Hung out there for a while. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Their representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a Facebook message and tell them the folks from race chaser media set you trying to kill the time all day and actually i remember um i sat out there with parnelli jones and we sat out you could sit outside when the cars go ripping by the corners like well you know gone and you're like 200 something miles going by and just unbelievable i'm like man i'm doing that stuff that's crazy but anyways parnelli jones is awesome he says you'll be fine he, he was he was super and i i you know, he just he just mentored me along that whole day and said, you know, just do this and you're going to be fine. And you know, so the day went on and we went back over the garage and we rolled her out there and uh, took a few laps. We were plenty fast enough, but they wanted to wait till that five o'clock, five thirty. You know, last hour temperatures went down to make sure we got in because there were some cars that were. Um, so let me see. There were some cars not in. That were pretty quick, so um, they wanted to wait till that uh, last hour. So, uh, <laughs> so here we are, you know, waiting again. Uh, you know, back out of the car, watching guys qualify. I forget how many spots were left that day, three or four. And um, so uh, the last hour came down, and I think it was about uh, uh, I'm going to say like twenty after five. Um, uh, let me see. So. Uh, who the heck was it? So Billy Boat was he was qualified in one of Della Pena's cars, I think it was. Okay. Um Richie Hearn had qualified the other one. I believe that was it. And uh, so they were at they they were they were just over two twenty, I think two twenty two or two twenty one, and they were afraid he was gonna get bumped because they knew we had the speed and, and there was only like two or three cars left. So AJ Foy put him in one of his cars and he went out there like I think it was like five thirty or twenty after five and he lost control of it down one two and just smacked it into the fence and Ooh. ripped everything off it and so there's debris all over. Now the the gun goes off at six o'clock. Yeah. So they they gotta clean this bus up or we're not even gonna get a shot. So <laughs> I think it was like um uh, about uh that must have happened about quarter after five or so but so right after me uh scott harrington went out and he got in um at two i forget 221 to something average anyway so 
so now they they clean this mess up. So we got 20 minutes left. So Scott goes out and he puts in the field, and so then I was up, and then we rolled out there and ran. You know, first lap 224, and then 223, 223, 222, and so that actually that actually put us ahead of about seven cars in the field, but qualify in the last day you could the best you could start right. was in the last row right. or or bump up through the last row but um so we end up starting uh in the inside of the last row of the 30 31st spot i remember so, watching the time trials that day i remember seeing it and and just you know you it, it was i can only imagine what you were going through because we were all going nuts watching it on tv like yeah, you know yeah. and and when you finally got in i mean i just screamed it was like yes you know and and i can only imagine what that day was like for you when you when you knew that you were in the race what yeah what yeah. did that feel like well, that that whole thing, like, okay, so um, we didn't have the telemetry. They, we actually did have the telemetry on the car. So every time you pass the start finish line, your speed, your your lap time would come up. Well, the thing is, I went out there. Well, right before I went out, so I rolled up the line, rolled through tech, and you know, so the engineers are there, and they asked me how the car was, you know, uh, previous time out, and knowing the conditions, the track had more grip, it was cooled down. So, you know, they got the rear wicker on the rear wing, which gives you downforce. And usually in the race, you would run you would run downforce, so you'd have wicker in it. But anyways, right. my brother was there and everything. So they just, you know, give me a pat on the helmet. Okay, the guy told me, you know, take your left foot and put it on top of your right foot and don't take it off. Just hold the right foot right to the floor the whole time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So my brother says, Thanks, and man. right before that, the guy pulls the flap down he pulls the wicker out of the rear so they take all the downpours out of the rear of the car i'm like oh i didn't know anything about this i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna try to flat foot all the way around there but actually that car was you know was locked down pretty good it probably had too much downforce in the in the chunder tray anyways but um you know and and me going out there i i didn't even watch my lap times per lap what it was you know i just i just straight ahead and you know eyes on task and right try to get my corners you know and it showed that i didn't use the racetrack but the car turned so well i i didn't you know usually when they're on the edge you'll let them roll out which is more speed which i probably could have had more speed just letting it roll off and not scrubbing as much because with those right. cars you could really feel how much the car scrubs when you got more steering input than you really need um you know so you know watching uh you know when they are the commentators i after you know after the fact you watch it you know he's not going to be going very good he's not letting the car you know have its head and roll out and you know so i just kept my foot buried on that thing and you know cross the finish line and i heard the guy they come on the radio and they were screaming and and they said you're in i went i'm in because I, mean, I never looked at the telemetry i you know i just never looked down all right. i do is look down the straight away when I mean, you know you're going to football field the second and and i'm just locked down to just trying to get through my four laps and you know in one piece and <laughs> so you know it, it was cool yeah it just it, it was like i'm in i like because i really didn't know exactly i said <laughs> i looked one time i didn't know the other speed what my speed was but you know with a 222 high to 22 average or something it locked us in there and so that that was a day of uh yeah we went uh oh my god yeah that was whirlwind too that was amazing we went out to eat and i think 
Parnell Jones bought me uh, dinner, bought our whole crew and everybody dinner. And, Incredible. You know, we sat with the big wigs at night and enjoyed the enjoyed the success that we had after a month of hell. Oh, <laughs> I cannot. Yeah, I mean, and then, well, of course, then at what moment does it go from, yes, I'm into holy crap, now i got to go race this thing. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That was, that was enough to, to stomach, you know, and now i got to wait a week. To, now i got to go out there and, you know, run around there with uh, 32 other cars. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, for so the week, you know, you they had a parade right? during the week and you had appearances here and there. And, you know, the whole thing, uh, you know, it was uh, – that's when we actually had the gal there during that week uh, um, after qualifying. But, okay. Yeah, it was a it was a, a month that uh, you could never never thought you would have gotten the race with everything that happened up to up to that qualifying point. And of course, for for those who obviously maybe you know aren't old enough to have lived this the way I did, and and a lot of our older fans did with you. Um, in a, in a in a few minutes or so, just kind of give us a, a, a you know the race itself for you. Kind of walk us through that. What was it like to? I mean, I know that that you know again the the pre race at Indy for me is like nothing else in the sport. Even today, when I hear back home again in Indiana, I tear up and. I can't imagine again that whole day of pomp and circumstance and the emotion that that builds up to the green. What you know? What was it like for you to experience yeah. that as a driver, and then actually the green flag drops and here we go? Yeah, I, I mean that whole. I, I don't know how well I even slept the night before, you know, and then we had to get up at like four in the morning. Yeah, um, and, we, and we had a like a police escort to the speedway. I remember uh, I rode there with. Uh, Alessandro San Pedro. He was oh, wow. he was my one of my teammates with the okay. with that team and um he was staying in the same hotel so we had like a police escort to the track at like five in the morning or something. Okay. And then, you know, they had interviews outside the garage and you know, when they've got time to, you know, get your fire suit and walk out there and the crowd, you know, the whole month of May is you know, there's no one there really. Yeah. You know, people watch on the front straight away, but yeah. you know, the whole racetrack is not full of people and you know, it was it was overwhelming. It was like, oh my God, it's just incredible that you know that you were there, and now this is race day, and now you gotta you know you gotta sit your butt in that freaking car and, and go out there and you know <laughs> and it, you know with, with little or no experience. Right. To be honest with you, you know, I, you know, looking back, uh, you know, I, I wish I had you know raced prior to the five hundred. You know, sure. and, and maybe a couple races or even a handful of races i mean it wasn't affordable or whatever but you know so that's that's what you had to do i mean that's the only thing we could you know like round up the money to do and 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 think well you know we race supers we go you know we go 120 30 40 mile an hour but that's another you know from the first day i got in the car you know and i i I, just to backtrack just a hair i you know i put my hand out the out of the just the side, just to try to adjust the mirror that was off, and it kind of blew my hand backwards. Like you could never get near the mirror. Oh, I like I you yeah. know that just was a first top it off of of what what you were actually how fast you were going and everything. Yeah, you know. So now now you're in race day, and and um, you know, 
now you got to go out there and you know with all those cars and and now you're you're, you're just uh, <laughs> reality check. <laughs> it's all it's all new. You know, I got to yeah. try to stay out of trouble. I got to you know try to bring the home car home in one piece. Well, just so anyways, on the Thursday it used to be carburation day it was yes, on Thursday, Thursday. before, yeah. right? I believe it was Thursday, and um, I went out there and and we we were just shaking the car down. You really want to put miles on the motor. They wanted to make sure the motor was all right. They put a new engine in it and um and then so i got up to speed maybe two i don't know two ten two ten two twenty and then coming around the fourth turn and johnny unser had got down on the apron and he spun right in front of me you know and here i'm going 200 oh, whatever boy. and, and I, luckily i just i watched and waited and then i saw him the car whip and it was going right so i just made a beeline for down low and cleared him without freaking wrecking even yeah. before we got to get the race in the race but um luckily i i made it by it made it in the pits and the guy says patting me on the back like oh that was what a save was coming out of four and um so that was another experience you know before the 500 right <laughs> and then um but basically they didn't have the crew to crew the car so they hired um these guys that were with uh uh danny drine and he had crashed one of the cars trying to qualify, and that was typically like a car that I first got in. It was an old Lola, okay, and it just w- was wouldn't go what they wanted to go with it. And he forced the issue, and he ended up really hurting himself. Um, he crashed the car, you know, in trying to qualify that week. Um, so, anyways, those guys they they paired them up with our car, and um, so I don't think um, you know we were seventh car in. I I. You know, did I, I, you know, now what I know now, you know, there's just so much more in the technical end of those cars oh, that sure. you really needed. You know, and I, I think basically they took the car, um, they changed the engine in it, and they just, you know, they never put a race setup in it or whatever. Um, not that I knew this before the race, but, you know, now I know. Right. Um, I think they kind of just give us the same car and, you know, so – my first, uh, so anyways, uh, you know, and going back to your uh, back home in Indiana and Star Spangled Banner, and, uh, you know, it was, you know, the planes flying overhead, the people, the noise, and it was like I couldn't wait to get in the car. And, and then, you know, it just, it was, it was overwhelming. It was a lot to, a lot to, to understand in a short period of time. Well, yeah, because mentally, I mean, you're 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 standing there, and in this, it's sensory overload if you're just watching. I mean, it's yeah. just you know, there's so much to take in and process. Yeah. But you've yeah. got to you've got to get in and drive, so you can't. I mean, it's like you want to just. I could see why you would say I couldn't wait to get in the car because once you get in the car and everything, get the equipment on everything, you're ready to go. Then it's about the race and and right. Yeah, it's right. almost like you can calm down a little bit. Except right. that it's the Indy 500, and you've got to you've got to take the first lap three wide, and right. Yeah. So yeah, and and the way you know starting the rear so far that you know by time you know you got at the finish line, the other cars were probably going down the back straightaway. Well, you know, that's yeah, speed. which was probably okay mm-hmm. for you at that point, right? Because but, you know, and then the the drafting aspect of it, you know, on carburetion day, they didn't want you really out near any cars. You right. know, they didn't want you to get tangled up, so you really couldn't even uh, kind of kind of figure out how to work in the draft or what the draft did to your car or whatever. And 
you know, so race day, you know, the, the smoke and the turbulence that was off all those cars in front of us, my head was like buffeting all over and the smoke, you could hardly see the first lap there. And it was, it was incredible. I'm like, what the <laughs> heck am I doing out here? You know, just, you know, you, you want to be confident in that, but it, it was just overload. Like, you know, everything oh, sure. from, yeah. it was all so new and, and, you know, something that you, you had no feeling for until you actually did it. Uh, you know, so the race went on. We actually held our own for a while. Um, I remember we were, I saw Tony Stewart come up behind me to lap me, and uh, I don't know how many laps in that was. It was probably in the first, I'm going to say first 25 or so, probably, or better, or less. Um, and then the a guy spun down in the infield in front of me, and, and I went for the brakes, and they going that speed the brakes like they're carbon fiber brake rotors and they need to be warm to have heat in it to really work and luckily he just went down the track and then he shot up in front of me and i made it through there so Stuart didn't get to lap me that time he did later but okay um you know just a, a learning experience um and it got up to uh um just under 100 laps and the engine and the thing just all of a sudden lost RPM, like it went down to like 10,500 RPM and it was running at like 13,000. Um, and it, it wouldn't go. It, it was, I was wide open in top gear going 200 miles an hour. And these other cars are out there running 225, 230. Okay. So now they're coming up at me using it as a draft, you know, and, and so they, um, they called me in and they, well, first they had me work with the turbo, uh, the, with the boost, and back the boost down to there's a there was a um, I forget a gate valve that would lift and then it wouldn't it wouldn't take boost so they had me work with that over the radio and it, it still wouldn't go any faster um, so they brought me in and they had the uh, Cosworth engineers work on the engine and sent me back out and they didn't change the tires that had like a ton of laps on them and I remember even go 200 it, it, again it wouldn't go any over 200 miles an hour. I knew okay. they wouldn't leave me out there that long. Right. So uh, even at 200, though, the car was so loose, I, I could have put it in the fence immediately. I mean, it, they didn't change the tires. I mean, it was, it was, you know, I was seventh car, and looking back at it, you know, you, you didn't get a lot of focus, I don't right. think. Right, right. Um, as far as a race setup with more, more downforce and what you needed to really go around there comfortably. You know, you can't be hanging out in pins and needles. And I was, I called back in. I said, I, I don't know what you guys did, but I, I can't even hang on to this thing at 200. It, it's, it's, it's all over. And they called me and they said, oh, we, we didn't change the tires. So the tires had a whole, a, a, more than a stint on them. And okay. they only going to run the tires. I forget 40 laps or something, but, um, so they called me in and they monkey the engine again. And then, uh, I went back out and it still wouldn't go. And, uh, about a lap hundred and, three or something like that i saw my number up on the flag black flag uh board and i pulled in that that was the end of it unfortunately uh, so we ended up 22nd but um you know and then, uh, you know it, it just uh just a total learning experience sure you know for somebody to go there the first time and with not a uh you know background on in an indie car or uh the workings or the people you know it was all new so, you know, after that, learning more about it, I, you know, I, I developed, I really wanted another chance to understand it all and 
they'll yeah. go back there and you'd be a lot better for it. But which we did. We went back in ninety eight. I got a call from a guy and he wanted me to come out and he wanted me to come out and help put a car together and uh I took Jimmy Paternoster with me and we went out and worked on it for I think two to three weeks to put it together. And we got there on the last week kind of qualifying again, another story but yeah um, anyways back to indy uh you know it was cool afterwards the the entourage we had from here probably 100 to 200 people you know all tied into my family or families or fans or sure you know and there was a huge tent that scandy uh that scandy had you know for all its drivers we went there and got to be with everyone and it was really awesome you know they they put on a big shindig and we had every ball our fans and they, they couldn't believe the amount of fans I had, you know, behind me. And, um, you know, it was, it was really cool. We, we knew some people lived out there. They had a party afterwards. We went and all the people from Swigo went to the party and, That's awesome. um, you know, it, it was the fouling, you know, uh, just incredible from back home, really, uh, you know, the amount of people that, that watched it like you and there and so many others, you know, oh, yeah. you look, back on it you know people were screaming out their doors and people had their windows and back you know open and people could hear other people yelling yeah. and screaming when i qualified and all that you know so it, it was it was a lifelong dream um you know something that starting like when we first talked I, I never never even an inkling that i would ever make it that far yeah and, and, you know in the sport that i love but um you know I'm proud to say that, you know, I got that opportunity and got out of it one piece with everything we went through. And, uh, yeah. you know, just uh, a great experience. Uh, I'm experience sure it, it was. Yeah. yeah it, something was, to, it was awesome. That's, uh, it's amazing. And, and, and the, uh, the, the, the sad part of this moment is that um, I've kind of walked us into a conundrum here because I know that you have to, for those listening to this show um as we're doing this interview it's tuesday and it's about quarter of eight in the evening and joe's got to leave to go and pick his daughter oh, yeah. um yeah. and so i want to be sensitive to his time and i've always said that i would never do this but this situation just developed because it all of a sudden joe gets off on the indie track and and i wanted we <laughs> wanted to hear that story right so so yeah, here's the yeah. problem we've got i always said i would never because i think it's torture to split an interview into two parts um but but with your permission if 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 i could reach back out to you next week um and and let's pick it up from okay, and he's over in 96 and we're going forward in your career and let's spend some more time and let's try to, to walk it forward from, from then to now. Uh, <laughs> I would love to do that. And I'm sure the fans would love to, to hear that. So, yeah, uh, yeah, no, no problem. I, I'm, I can't believe the time went by that quick. I'm sorry. Babbling no, on, on, but no, no, the, that was great the, stuff, man. And, the, and the, uh, yeah. wow, what a story. I had no idea of a lot of that detail. And again, I yeah, don't think yeah. many other people do either. And that's that's what makes this this show so much fun. We get to kick back and get into that detail without time constraints, other than you know, obviously you got to take care of the family thing. So, <laughs> yeah, 
um, we appreciate uh, you taking some time this week and, and looking forward. We'll do this uh, maybe same time next Tuesday and have it ready for next week's drop, and we'll do part two. Uh, and for those of you listening, sorry about that, but uh, <laughs> at least you know what's coming next week now. Uh, so, Joe, thanks a bunch, and uh, we'll let you get away to uh, pick up uh, your daughter and have a great week, and we'll uh, talk to you again in, <laughs> in part two next week. All right. Sounds great, Tom. Thank you very much. All right. That is Joe Gozik, and uh, we're going to step aside for a moment so I can catch a breath, and then uh, we'll come back here on Inside Groove. Wow, that was incredible. Be right back. Hi, Grandma. Can Nina come over for dinner? Sure. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma... If anyone ever does, I want you to say, no, I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. I promise, Grandma. They really do hear you. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Welcome back to Inside Groove. Wow. I just, uh, I can't believe the the story that Joe just told. That was pretty amazing. Thanks to Joe. Uh, looking forward to next week doing a part two with him to kind of walk through uh, the rest of his career to current and uh, certainly appreciate him taking all this time to spend with us and talk to us. And I want to thank uh, our sponsors too, Jeff West and Indie Performance Composites uh, and uh, Skip's Fish Fry, uh, Sean Cathcart and his staff, and, of course, Rich and the folks uh, with Jazz Paving, um, who all just make this show possible. And uh, I just feel so blessed to be able to do interviews like that and be a part of that, and, uh, just to have a, a nice ringside seat for those stories. That was amazing. And I got one more for you before we close this thing out this week. Uh have been talking to Jody Dates and... A little bit of an update on the Red Creek Rocket Restoration Project. This is, um, my gosh, when I had the chance to go out there and sit with Kemp and Faye and uh, all the uh, the folks out there um, over the holidays, uh, I mean, that was so special to me to be able to do that and go through all the old uh, scrapbooks that Faye accumulated. And knowing that uh, the book project, which doesn't get talked about as much as the race car and you don't obviously see photos of the progress but um i don't want to say too much about the book other than to tell you that this is going to be amazing i mean this this whole combined project and the smile it's put on kempton's face and how involved so many different people from the Oswego and super modified racing community, uh, obviously inclusive of, of folks like Jeff West, who are part of that community, but obviously don't uh, don't live locally anymore, um, is just incredible and almost overwhelming to watch. Um, the the enthusiasm, the buzz around this 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 whole the whole combined situation is pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, I, I just, I don't know what other word to use. Um, the good news is the race car is going to be done. Um, and it's going to make its debut 
on Retro Night next year, Old Timers Night uh, in August of 2020, or this year now, I guess. I should stop saying next year. It's almost the end of January. Um, So this year, uh, the car will be out, and uh, Kemp will be pacing the field that night for the, um, the feature event. How incredible is that? The book will be done. Um, I will kind of defer a lot of the details of the book project for right now because I'm not sure how much I'm really allowed to say, but Jody let me in on a few things uh, this week that are just awesome. I mean, that that book has taken on a life that I don't think anybody thought that it, it, it ever would. Uh, so, man, you know what? We, we all have you know, things that we, we wish were happening or things that we, you know, we don't like or whatever about what's going on at Oswego. You know what? Put it aside. Support the track. Support Super Modified Racing. Support ISMA. Support MSS. Support all the divisions, the 350s, the SBS. Um, we are family people. We are family. And to see the way the family is rallied around this project is just breathtaking. So uh, there's your news. And uh, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, one again, thank everybody who listens and shares this. Every share matters. Trust me when I tell you this. Every share matters. So the more of you that share this and retweet it or whatever, um, the the better it is. And it's not about, I don't, this isn't a share it so everybody will listen to Tom ramble on or Cam ramble on. That's, you know, we're the facilitators of the show. But it we want, I would love to have 5,000 people or 10,000 people listening to these interviews with Joe, the interviews with drivers like Kempton and Warren Conium and all the other, you know, older drivers. Um, for many of them, they're not going to get a book. This is the book. And so it's it's so important that every one of you who listen to this show share it and retweet it so that more people see it, so more people can hear these stories because everybody talks about NASCAR and IndyCar and NHR and all the big divisions, and there are stories like the one that just got told from short track racing and especially from supermodified racing that are just as every bit as awesome and every bit is as enjoyable to even a non-supermodified fan. So, uh, again, please reshare, re tweet whatever um and uh, and i will also let all of you know that within the next couple of weeks the brand new race chaser online will be live um and i just this this evening as i'm finishing up this show i just uh was able to secure uh the 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 player the audio player that's going to be put on the site when this new site goes live and the player becomes active, you literally will be able to go to racechaseronline.com, which is my site, and you will be able to access all of our live programming through that player. You will be able to access all of our podcasted programming, like this show, at different times each day through that player. It's going to be just a continuous rotation. Uh, and, of course, we'll also... Uh, premiere 
this show at the same time every week, I hope. <laughs> I'm trying to get my schedule that way. Uh, same time every night, every night, you know, of each week. So every Wednesday night is what we're targeting. Um, in that, just it'll it'll just be a straight link. Go listen to it. Um, we'll also have it on SoundCloud. You can access it on all of those podcasted uh, places too. But uh, you're going to be able. It'll it'll be as if it were live. You just be able to go to the player and and uh, and hit it, and that's um, that's what we're looking at. We're we're really excited about that. I wanted to have all of the shows and all of the content in one place, so that uh, I'm not sending every everybody into three or four different places to hear different shows or you know read different articles that we write or whatever. It's all going to be in one place, so it's going to be our own little kind of. Uh, grassroots racing, you know, racing home on on the web. So almost as if it were, a, you know, an MRN or PRN, because that's really kind of what we are at this point. So again, um, that'll be coming, racechaseronline.com. It, uh, it'll take us probably another week, maybe, to uh, to get everything in place, possibly 10 days or so. But uh, we're just about done with it. It's been an enormous project because we... We are basically overlaying the new site over the top with a, of the of our, our our current site with probably 600 plus articles uh, on it, and each one is its own file with a, a link. And so you got to kind of there's a lot of work. <laughs> it took us a lot longer than we thought it would, but um, can't wait for that. So a lot of cool stuff coming. We're gonna have anytime we do a a live show from a racetrack, which I'll be able to do through. Uh, that player as well, or that software, um, you'll be able to go there and click on it and, and, and hear it. And, of course, I'll share it out through our social as well. But, um, again, really trying to get our ducks in a row here because we've got some some opportunities that I never thought we'd have. And there, there are a couple of opportunities that could potentially grow into things that could put us in a position to bring some super modified content to you if we can – kind of get uh, things in the right places. So um, we want to do that. And I will also tell you, we are debuting a brand new modified podcast. So here's another piece of news before it's out to the public. Mainly Modifieds will make its debut. Uh, we're hoping next week. First episode's already in the can. Kyle Souza and I will be hosting it. Kyle is a protege of mine. Uh, who uh, kind of came up doing writing and, and radio for us at Race Chaser and has spent the last couple of years as NASCAR's uh, modified tour writer, basically. Um, Kyle is kind of branching out and doing some different things now, but he's, he's, uh, he's as in with the modified crowd in New England as anybody. And I'm very proud of what Kyle's kind of grown into and what he's doing. And uh, he and I have talked about doing something for a long time, and now we're doing it. So Mainly Modifieds making its debut. That podcast will also be a weekly podcast. That's at least the goal. And so we're slating that for Tuesday night to to sort of air on our burgeoning Race Chaser Radio Network, which is basically the, the digital station we'll have on the website. Um, this show will air on Wednesday nights. Um, and 
that's kind of that's where we're going, folks. So we're we're adding the modified podcast to our repertoire now. So you'll have even more programming to listen to. Um, I just love talking about racing, especially short tracks in the Northeast is a focus of mine that I've always wanted to get back to. I've never had the right vehicle and the right timing and way to do it. Last year was perfect to bring this show back and talk about supers. And now I had an opportunity with Kyle to do the same similar type thing with the modified division. Um, We will also talk New England, you know, pro stocks, late models, whatever. It's kind of a, a Northeast but which is why we're calling it mainly modifieds, but the modifieds are going to be the um, the main focus of it. So hope you enjoy all of that. We are excited about what 2020 is bringing and what the future can hold here. And it cannot happen. It cannot be sustained without your support. So you listening to these shows, commenting on these shows, um, going to race chaser online, right? As race chaser media's Facebook page, and giving us a good review, that's also important. Any of you, if you would, if you like what, what you're hearing and you like what we're doing with Race Chaser, if you will go to Race Chaser Media's Facebook and just give us a good review, um, you know, write write some nice comments. Again, this is not so you can blow my head up. It all makes a difference for our advertisers. So uh, we want to make sure that um, they know that people are paying attention and they like what's going on. And as always, if you have suggestions, you all know how to message me on Facebook or whatever. Just, uh, you know, make them and, um, you know, let's uh, let's have some fun over the next uh, few years here as we kind of get things lined out to do that. That's it. I'm done. (laughs) We're out of here for another week. Thank you all for listening. Until next week, have a great rest of your week and weekend. And God bless. We'll talk to you on the next Inside Groove. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.